Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is February 2nd, and you're listening to the Sports Loudmouths. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey, 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows live, as you just missed one, Trey a.k.a. the wise guys that were just on and stayed on a little too late. But thank you yeah. to Trey. Uh, we really appreciate the great show on the network. Uh, great shows throughout the country. It is now live and in color every single week. So check it out every single week. And you can check out the Sports Live Mouse, which airs every Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Thursdays at 5 p.m. I'm sorry. 9 p.m. I, you know, I like throwing a curveball. 5 p.m. Uh, Alaska time, I guess. Yeah. Actually, it's 5 p.m. Alaska time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like the right of the is. right of the, like the Bering Strait area, Alaska. I think it's interesting that time zone. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> now we're now we're turning into Wake and Bake. It's like uh, Chaz has to figure out where it's 4:20. Now we have to figure out where <laughs> what time zone. Well, that's because in. he's baking too much. <laughs> well, I'm, yeah, there there is that. And I'm not talking about baking in like baking a cake. We all know what he's baking. But well, uh, you could you could put that in a cake, too, if you wanted to. Suck me in dash. People put that in desserts and all kinds of food. <laughs> we love Chaz, but uh, thank you to Chaz as he does Wake and Bake every Saturday. Wake and Bake. In the morning, Wake and Bake. He is to smoke and then he bakes. Uh, by the way, uh, as far as his, uh, you know, his picks, they were dead on. So uh, if you guys are not checking it out, well then you're missing something great. And if you like to bet and you're a betting man, you check out Wake and Bake every single Saturday, and you check, you check out Moneyline Mania every single Saturday nights with us and the Moneyline. But anyways, uh, Speedy, what's up, man? Well, happy Groundhog Day, I guess, uh, the one of the secondary holidays Did of the year. Did he see himself? I don't know if he saw himself, but... Uh, Here's to uh, six more months, at least for me, of uh, bashing the Chargers. It hasn't been cold. It really hasn't. So it, it, I best I best believe that uh, springtime is right around the corner. That's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. I am born in spring, so I will be in my 40s, as everybody knows, April 29th. As I was an 82 baby. But mm-hmm. I'm getting old, man. I am getting old, but happy to be here. Uh, we were supposed to have on ex-athletic Met and Giants catcher Bruce Maxwell. But he had a family situation. We'll have him on next week. It's been crazy this week with some of our guests. Yeah. But, uh, hey, listen. Stuff happens. Uh, and we have a lot of content to uh you know, throw out there. It's so. a rough year with a lot of these it uh, is. players. I understand. <laughs> we understand. I mean, right now... Spring training is right around the corner, and and Maxwell, Mr. Maxwell, is trying to make a, a MLB team, and he's had a really, really good off season. So he might 
possibly get a job this year. So I'm looking forward to getting Bruce on the show. Uh, nice, nice guy. Knows his stuff and, uh, you know, obviously loves us. But uh, at 1030, we'll be talking to Wisconsin sophomore cornerback Al Ashford. We love Al. And uh, Al's been dealing with a lot of injuries and uh, obviously with a new coach, new scheme. Hopefully Al gets his time. And I, I do believe he has all the talent in the world to be where he wants to be, especially playing professional football. Uh, inside sources around the NFL believe Joe Douglas will go all out and in in an attempt to land Aaron Rodgers. So you heard it here and you heard it from Mr. Breer that this could happen very, very soon. Now, they have to wait until the season is over, but they have probably a week after the season to decide who they want. Aaron Rodgers or Derek Carr. So uh, I think Derek Carr will be definitely out there and wiggled around throughout the league. Um, you saw what he did in this competition. This uh, what, what do they call this competition for the uh, Pro Bowl? Yeah, they, they were doing these uh, these skill challenges, and they mm. were doing all types of target drills. He looked and... really good today. Yes, he did. He did. Uh, Arian Foster makes claims that the NFL is rigged. I've been saying this a long time. You did. Yes, I have. And Arian Forster says it is scripted in some kind of way. And that players got game and season scripts. I don't know about game and season script, but I, I believe the Super Bowl is somewhat rigged. That's what I've been saying for a while. And if Arian Forster is saying it, why not? Maybe it's true. Uh, Sports Illustrated Albert Breer reports... Bears are committed to Justin Fields and are looking to trade the number one pick. So I've been saying that for the last week. So I believe that if, yes, Carolina wants to move up to number one or Indianapolis wants to move up to number one, the Chicago Bears has the card, baby. What I was reading, too, in that same article was Seattle was interested as well. Yeah, I could see that. I could see it. Uh, Geno Smith might not be signed. Yep. So, and Geno Smith is, deserves at least a $100 million contract this offseason. He had a very good season. Uh, he looked really, really good. And he, he took a Seattle team that had no business going to the playoffs, yep. especially defensively, which they were horrible. And I don't want to hear from Jamal Adams anymore. <laughs> he didn't play this year. He's making a lot of money, and he shouldn't be opening up his mouth. Just my thoughts to it. Uh, latest, we will be getting into the latest of the NBA and NHL trade deadline rumors. Mets sign Jeff McNeil. We didn't get into that yesterday for four for a four-year, $50 million contract. Giants safety. Julian Love takes shots at Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni. Uh, and he's saying he is in for a free ride to the Super Bowl in Super Bowl 57 with the Eagles talent. I don't know why Julian Love is speaking, but I've got my thoughts about that a little bit later in the show. So why don't we get into it? Joe Douglas, ladies and gentlemen, uh, as we have heard through quite a few people, as, as one source, Tony Paulin, of the Pro Football Network, the Jets general manager, Joe Douglas, has admitted to people around the NFL that he will be all in to land Aaron Rodgers. And I, I will say this. Aaron Rodgers, to me, is still an elite quarterback. He's a top five quarterback right now in the NFL. Did he have one of those seasons that really stuck out? No. He didn't have that 
4,500-yard season, MVP candidate season that he's had two years before where he was back-to-back MVP. He didn't. But the lack of talent, because Aaron Rodgers was making $50 million a year, Devontae Adams decided to flee and play with his best friend in Derek Carr, who now is looking for a new job. And this offense of youngsters, Christian Watson, who looked really good this year. He did in the second half of the season. Uh, there, you know, Tunyon, he was fighting injury all season long. They had a bunch of old guys that they decided to bring back. It didn't work. Aaron Rodgers almost, almost snuck into the playoffs when the year before they were the number one seed in the East. Uh, I'm sorry, in the NFC. You sit here today, and I understand. A lot of teams are going to be interested in Aaron Rodgers. It's not just the Jets. But Green Bay already said he they are not trading Aaron Rodgers in the conference. They're not. They're not trading him in the NFC. So how many AFC teams are really looking for a quarterback right now? Miami might be. But Tua, obviously, you heard it from Jeff last night. He's now out of uh, concussion protocols. So he will be back next year as far as what we've learned from Miami and, and the coaching staff over there as they added a new one. We also believe that the Vegas Raiders are going to be in on Aaron Rodgers. Now the question is, what is Davis going to do with Derek Carr? Now he's still under contract. They could obviously let him go and let him decide where he wants to play which quite possibly could happen at the end of the season. They have four days after the Super Bowl to decide if they're trading him or letting him go. He has an Aaron, and I'll say this again, Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers. Now, Aaron Rodgers doesn't have a no-trade clause, but Aaron Rodgers could say, I'm not playing for that team. And if he's not going to play for that team, no team is going to make a trade for him. The Jets, Vegas, Anybody that's interested in Aaron Rodgers, he will not, even if he gets traded to that team, he's already 39 years old. He has nothing to prove. He's a Hall of Famer. I know Aaron Rodgers does not want to retire right now and be in the same class as guys like, uh, I don't know, J.J. Watt and Tom Brady in the, the Hall of Fame class that he will be in five years. I don't think he wants to be second fiddle to Tom Brady. I don't think he wants to be second fiddle to J.J. Watt. He wants to be by himself. He wants to be a lonesome dove. So I believe Aaron Rodgers will be back next year. The question is, is it going to be Green Bay? Everybody and all the inside people with the Green Bay Packers have said that they want to move on from Aaron Rodgers. They wanted to move on from Aaron Rodgers three years ago. They want to see what Jordan Love is. Because if Jordan Love isn't the guy, they will be looking elsewhere the year after. Jordan Love is on his fifth year, which means after this year, he will become a free agent. He's done with his rookie contract. they got to decide if they're going to pay Jordan Love or they're going to move on from him. And Jordan Love already came out before the season's end and said that if Aaron Rodgers is back here, I want to be traded. I do not want to be here. I do not want to be sitting on the bench for another season. Now, the question is, when you look at the big picture here, 
what will the Jets give up? And and when you hear Joe Douglas is all in on this, what is he all in on? And that's the question. Everybody knows that Rogers spoke highly of Nathaniel Hackett. He said it on the Pat McAfee show. Love Hack. Hack is my guy. Love him and Megan and the kids. So he knows all about Nathaniel Hackett. He uh, he's got a good connection with Nathaniel Nathaniel Hackett. We don't know if he has any connection with McDaniel's. As a matter of fact, I don't know. I don't believe that McDaniel's, if he ever traded for Aaron Rodgers, would want Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show. Who? And we all, first of all, not even, I was going about to say, I was, I was about to say, who would think that Aaron Rodgers would lift, listen to a guy like Josh McDaniel's? But the Patriots' way is keep your, your, your emotions to yourself, go on the field and do what you do best. Bill Belichick has done it for years. Most of his players are not going to go out there, even when Brown was there. Antonio Brown was there with the Patriots. You never heard Antonio Brown open his mouth to the press, to the public. He never did when he was over there with the Patriots. Because Bill Belichick would not allow his players to do that. Josh McDaniels follows the same rules. With his team. Now, does it work over there? Everywhere he's gone, it didn't work with the Broncos. It hasn't worked with the Vegas Raiders. Uh, Maybe it'll work next year. Maybe he does draw Aaron Rodgers and some interest with Aaron Rodgers and his agent to go over there to Vegas. Do I believe that Aaron Rodgers will pick Vegas over the Jets with the young talent the Jets have and the open opportunity he has to run that offense again with Nathaniel Hackett? He doesn't know Josh McDaniel's offense. He knows Nathaniel Hackett's offense. His best years with Nathaniel Hackett's offense. Adam Schefter said that the Packers prefer to move on with Aaron Rodgers this offseason. ESPN Marcus uh, Spears said about the Jets and, and the hiring of Hackett, he led the worst offense in the NFL last year. They did not hire him for anything other than saying, hey, Aaron Rodgers, we got you, boy. Or we got your boy. Devontae Adams was asked which neighborhood is Rogers moving on or moving to. And he replied, mine. Rogers stats last season without Adams, 64.6 completion percentage, 6.8 yards per pass, 26 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, 3,695 passing yards with a 91.1 passing rating. Those numbers are great. Those numbers are would sell to the Jet fan. Those numbers would probably be one of the best numbers the Jets or a Jets quarterback has ever had in Jets history in 50-some-odd years. Aaron Rodgers has two MVP seasons combined with Nathaniel Hackett. 69.8% completion percentage, 8 yards per pass, 8,414 passing yards, 85 touchdowns, 9 interceptions with a 1167 passing rating, which is number one in the NFL when Nathaniel Hackett was there with the Green Bay Packers. Jets currently only have $3 million in cap space, which that will change, but can clear more once these players become free agents. There's a lot. There's 10 free agents for the New York Jets. I do believe they're not going to bring Rankins back. There's a couple of guys 
that were a big part of the defense this year, but couldn't stay healthy where the Jets will part ways with. They probably will talk, speak to DJ Reed in the offseason, maybe figure out how they can you know, maneuver his contract where they can bring in some pieces. If if DJ Reed can win a Super Bowl, have a chance to win a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers and with some of the young talent that they have over there, I think DJ Reed would absolutely come to the conclusion that he could take a little bit of a pay grade to to play for this team. Most executives believe that the Jets are a quarterback away from the circumstances of being a contender. More than any other team in their pre-free agency state, and definitely in comparison of the Raiders, who defensively were 28th in the yards, allowed in 29th in passing yards, 19th in rushing yards, last and last in turnovers, forced turnovers, and 26th in points per game. The Jets' defense was 4th in points per game, yards per game, and 3rd in pass defense, and least first downs given up. So, the Jets... Going into next season, we'll have an elite defense. They have Sauce Garner coming back. They will re-sign Quinton Williams. They'll, they'll probably bring back Quincy. There are, there are going to be pieces that they're going to have to part ways with because they're not going to be able to afford them. And with the Aaron Rodgers move, if they make a move for Aaron Rodgers, they would only have to pay $15 million this year to Aaron Rodgers if they negotiate the deal and spread out the contract of the $58 million of dead cap space that they would have the year after and move it to four years. Peter King said that. It makes a lot of sense. And if they only have to pay Aaron Rodgers $15 million, they can take away, they can probably let go of Corey Davis, Sheldon Rankins, and a couple of the other guys move their, you know, move their cap up to 25 to 30 million, and then they could pay Quinn Williams. Quincy Williams, and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, the perspective, I think, is with the defense, especially with how well they played with a lot of their core, is that they could maybe get on rentals more often like they did last year, too. Kwan Alexander was a rental. He'll probably be gone. LaMarcus Joyner had the two-year deal. He'll be gone, most likely, too. And then some of those other veteran pass rushers. Robert Sala likes to rotate as it is. Like you said, rankings will probably be gone because of that. He really did. I thought it was a bargain at the time. He really didn't pan out because of the injuries. So... You're looking at a case where they're going to probably keep some of the offensive linemen that are free agents, but I can't imagine all of them. And definitely, I, I agree. With McGovern's you gone. Davis. Yeah, McGovern will not be back. I think the Jets will be looking for a center in this year's draft. I, I do believe that. Um, they have to hope. They really have to hope that Makai Becton comes back this year at weight at the weight they believe he should be at. I would say about being that he's six foot seven, six foot eight. Probably 350 pounds. That's yeah. where I think they want him to be. Right now, um, when he was interviewed at the end of the season, the Jets season, he was 370. I think he needs to lose another 20 pounds, as I believe he will. Uh, he was 420 uh, after his injury. He lost about 50 pounds. I expect him to lose another 20, get down to 350. And hopefully that knee, that reconstructed knee, will hold up in his, probably his fourth and final year. Because... The Jets are not going to give him his fifth-year option, and I wouldn't. As well as the Giants didn't, or they decided not to give it to Daniel Jones. Now you sit back and you wonder they, sh you know, if they should have. Now that Daniel Jones had the season that he had, but nobody thought that Daniel Jones was going to have the season that he had, except probably me and Jeff. Mm. 
But even so, like the Jets' stability now on the defensive side of the ball allows them to do that where they could just plug and play, and they have a lot more depth than they ever had before. The Jets, even in certain years where their defense was great, it was more top-heavy. It wasn't overly deep. And how many years were Jets fans clamoring for pass rush depth forever, and they finally have it to an extent. I'm not saying it's elite. I'm not, it's, it's a good pass rush, though. And Quinton Williams absolutely was elite at that position, so he's going to get his money. And because Aaron Rodgers is so good at making these other receivers work, That'll allow a lot of leeway for Corey Davis to be let go as well and for him to work with these younger receivers and make it work. I think Denzel Mims, if he's the guy that— It will absolutely benefit I think he's going to be the one that helps the most because Aaron Rodgers has a great history of working with these bigger-bodied receivers. So I think he's going to get a new life if Aaron Rodgers is there. And if Aaron Rodgers decides that he would be traded to the New York Jets, he's going to want some of his guys to come in. Maybe a Robert Tunyon who will be a free agent this year. Tunyon would probably take less money. And then the Jets are going to have to decide who they would let go as far as tight ends are concerned because they have, uh, obviously, CJ and Conklin over there. So they're going to have to decide if they're going to keep one or, and, and obviously let go of one and then bring Tunyon in. Uh, there's a, obviously a couple offensive linemen that are free agents right now with the Green Bay Packers. Now, I don't even if they bring in one of their veteran guys from the Green Bay Packers, uh, he's none of those guys are going to get paid top dollar, obviously. But he is going to want some of his guys, and Hackett would probably rather bring in some of his guys that know this offense because Rodgers has really put the numbers up over the last couple of years under Nathaniel Hackett. Now, did it work under uh, the Broncos and, and, and Russell Wilson? No. But when you have a quarterback that knows your offense, how to run your offense, maybe Aaron Rodgers doesn't have to come to you know, summer, you know, summer off season. See, he doesn't like the summer off season workouts. He never did. Uh, obviously, he wants to learn a little bit about some of the young players that he would have with the Jets if he decides to go to the Jets. The Garrett Wilsons, the Elijah Moores, and the Denzel Mims, and Brees Hall, and all these youngsters that they have right now on this roster. But what benefits the Jets right now is a lot of their stars are on their rookie contracts. Practically all of them are. So... They're looking at maybe two years of Aaron Rodgers where they don't have to pay any of these guys. The only one that will probably if, – if Elijah Moore has a good year this year, he has one more year left. This is his third year going into his third year this year. He is going to probably want to play another year with Aaron Rodgers because he's going to make a lot of money. So when Aaron Rodgers – I don't think Aaron Rodgers has another – Probably has two more years left in the NFL. That's where I see Aaron Rodgers, as far as what I see. I look at the big picture right now for the New York Jets. If Aaron Rodgers is, if the NFL and and all these executives believe that Aaron Rodgers is the final piece to get the Jets where they want to go or be a contender, then the Jets have to do it. Especially if they're only taking on a $15 million cap hit this year. Now, it's going to get larger next year. Like you said, it was, it was I think, 43, you said, next year. So they're going to have to make it work, for at least for keeping a bunch of these players this year. And then trust the coaching, trust the uh, Joe Douglas to find gems for next year. But one year out of the remainder of that contract is very good. And if he's still a successful, Aaron Rodgers' contract does span to 2026. He only has the opt-out after that for the team. So then... If it's still successful, the Jets are growing. They're your playoff team, maybe an AFC championship team. Then they say, all right, we could keep going for two more years with Aaron Rodgers, depending on how well he plays. I don't think he's playing more than two more years. I really don't. I think he wants to prove himself on another team. 
it makes a lot of sense why he would go and play for Nathaniel Hackett. He has a great connection with Nathaniel Hackett. I think that was one of the, the draws on why the Jets decided to bring in Nathaniel Hackett. I think Nathaniel Hackett is an offensive-minded genius. I really do. We've seen what he did with the Jaguars. We've seen what he's done with Green Bay when Aaron Rodgers was there. But it didn't work with the Broncos for some reason. It didn't work with Russell Wilson. Maybe it was because of the offensive line and a lack of the offensive line help that they didn't have last year. Maybe it was the injuries that they were dealing with with Williams in the beginning of the season, losing their star running back. So it could have been a lot of reasons why it didn't work out with the Broncos. But he is not the head coach of the New York Jets. He is the offensive coordinator. And Robert Sala, absolutely, knowing that this is a season that is going to make or break him, because if the Jets don't make the playoffs this year, he is gone. There is no question. If Robert Sala doesn't get this team in the playoffs next year, he will be gone. And Joe Douglas right now, he's had two really good drafts. Last year he had an amazing draft. You bring in Sauce Garner, arguably the, the second or maybe even the best corner in football right now. Garrett Wilson, who might win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Brees Hall was a beast. Clemens was good. Max Mitchell was good. Jermaine Johnson, when he did play, he looked pretty good. The problem right now is Robert Sala is trying to climb a ladder. And this year, they were 7-4 at one point. They were a playoff-bound team. And then they lost six games in a row. Fell out of the playoffs. And we're one of the laughing stocks at the end of the season of the NFL. Because this team had enough talent to get there. Two bad losses against the Patriots. They had a chance to beat Miami in the final game. It wouldn't have gotten them into the playoffs. They should have beaten Seattle. They should have beaten Detroit. They should have beaten Detroit. You want to blame play, bad play calling by Robert Sala in the fourth quarter against Detroit? Probably. And bad tackling, especially. And the defense didn't look as good as it did in the first seven or eight games of the season. They were still elite. So you look at where the Jets are right now. Are they a quarterback away? I think they're a little bit more than a quarterback away. But do I think they have the right pieces in hand right now, where they can compete against any AFC team? Absolutely. Right. I think the perspective of being a quarterback away is they, they have a lot of key positions intact right now. When you look at Garrett Wilson, a star wide receiver, which in this league, you really need to have either a star wide receiver or be the Chiefs and have Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes to get away with it. And pass rush, they have that with Quinn and Williams. If they keep Carl Lawson, they have that. And Jermaine Johnson, I agree with you, when he was on the field, was impactful. Secondary, they have the best threesome of corners in the league. And Sauce Garner, who in this rookie season was either number one or number two with Darius Slay as the best corner in the league yeah. already. Mm -hmm. And he's gonna, he can still get bigger, he can build up, and he can get faster too because he's young and he's taken on a lot of top receivers already. Where the Jets, again, where the Jets are going to be losing pieces are positions that are a little more replaceable. Linebackers, safeties, interior offensive linemen that they're easier to find. And yes, Aaron Rodgers, if they do trade for him, are do going you to have think Aaron Rodgers is the missing piece? Do you think that they can win with Derek Carr? Yes, I do. I think they can I, I do win too. With Derek Carr. Yeah, and I don't think they have to give up as much for Derek Carr. No. But what Green Bay is doing right now with Aaron Rodgers is only it's only hurting the trade talks with other teams because right now 
with them coming out and saying that they want to move on from him, and a lot of executives believe that they do want to move on from him, they're not going to get two first-round draft picks because they're coming out with this. They're not. They'll be lucky to get one. Because now Aaron Rodgers has spoken out. He's been on the Pat McAfee show. You heard what he said. He wants to be in those discussions. He's not in in those discussions. So that's pissing him off, which means that when he sits down with Green Bay, whenever that is, he's probably going to tell him, you know what? You want me gone? I'm going. They're not getting two first-round draft picks because they want to move on from him. And what Aaron Rodgers is doing is he's playing his cards because he doesn't want the Green Bay fans to think that he wants out of Green Bay, which we all know that he does. He's telling the Green Bay fans, hey, they want me out of here? I'm leaving. And it's not he, he's not going to be booed by the Packer fans because he decided to sign that big-time contract, even though I thought it was crazy when they did it. Well, a lot of Packer fans are already done with him as it is for this season and for the playoff game last year. They're already, like, preparing for life without him, whether it's Jordan Love, who, I mean, a lot of Packers fans don't trust him either, but still, either way, they're pretty much out on Aaron Rodgers as it is. But you're right, they should not boo him. Uh, Keith said they are moving in the right direction. The six losses in the row remind me of the good old days for the Jets. I think they definitely could win for the Rodgers. And he asks us, why are you so high on Carr? Oh, it's so very easy. When you look at Derek Carr and his career— He has been in the league for, what, nine years as an NFL quarterback. Let's look at his numbers and what he has done in the NFL. And and these are solid numbers. Rookie season, 3,270 yards, 21 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Not bad. 2015, 3,987 yards, 32 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. 2016, 3,937 yards. 28 touchdowns, six interceptions. Probably was MVP runner-up if he didn't get hurt. And then after after 2017, he had one, two, three, four. Four seasons in a row with over 4,000 yards. And 2021, almost 5,000 yards. And this year, even with the, the last three games, two games that he didn't play, he still threw over 3,500 yards. Tell me, Keith, who was the last Jet to throw over 3,500 yards? Please, because I'll tell you who it was. It was Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know how long ago that was? That was like seven years ago. 2015. That was like seven, eight years ago. The Jets haven't had a quarterback to throw over 3,500 yards. Speedy, how many Jets quarterbacks threw over 3,500 yards in the last 50 years? Probably only three. I would imagine only Ken O'Brien, maybe, and I don't even think Chad Pennington did, if I remember correctly. No, Vinny Testaverde did. Testaverde, okay. And then it was Fitzpatrick's and Joe Namath, maybe. I don't know. Joe Namath did it. I'm talking, yes. It was, those are the four, four, four quarterbacks (laughs) in the history known to the New York Jets. Four quarterbacks that have thrown over 3,500 yards. And there's only one quarterback to throw over 4,000 yards. And it was one time, one year, and that was Joe Namath. And think about this too, Keith, as well. 
2019, 27 touchdowns, nine interceptions, 4,003, uh, or no, 2020, 4,103 4, yards, 27 touchdowns, nine interceptions. That was a year where Darren Waller was hurt a lot. That was a year right after they traded Amari, a couple of years after they traded Amari Cooper to the Cowboys. They lost a lot of these other receivers. I think Hunter Renfro was their leading uh, targets catches guy, and he was a second-year player and is more of a slot receiver. That's what you're. That's what you're judging. Henry Ruggs, who they drafted as a rookie, was a bust. Obviously, then he got into the off-field issues the next year. But still, you're looking at him on the field. He had that big game against the Jets. He had one big game, I think, against the, the Chargers, and that was it. Mm. He wasn't anything. And 2019, that was a year right after they traded Cooper. 4,051, 54 yards, 21 touchdowns, eight interceptions. You want know Ryan Fitzpatrick, the last Jets quarterback, to have that 3,500-yard total head? Uh, Brandon Marshall, Eric Decker, Matt Forte. Those are some pretty good players. The Raiders have Josh Jacobs, who's a good running back, but they don't have anything close to them. So and Brownie nice. Nagel. I met Brownie Nagel. Nice kid. He really was. When I was a kid, I had the opportunity to meet him. He never threw over 3,500 yards. His best year and his, his big year was 1992, 2,280 yards. He had seven touchdowns and 17 interceptions. Okay. Browning Nagel. Give me a break. Uh, Keith, to answer your question about age, he's 31 years old, Derek Carr, right now. He is still in the prime of his career. If you bring in Derek Carr, and you're probably going to have to part ways with, obviously, Zach Wilson. Right. Because if you bring in Derek Carr, he's going to want a four-year deal. Derek Carr could definitely run this offense. I think he would work very well in Nathaniel Hackett's offense because Nathaniel Hackett likes to throw the ball. Derek Carr has a great arm, and he's a very accurate quarterback. And you need accuracy. And it, I don't know if anybody's seen Derek Carr throw the ball tonight in those skills comp. I know it's a skills competition, but he was the most accurate quarterback in that skills competition. And again, his accuracy was never the big question. Yes, he had a couple bad late game interceptions in certain seasons. The year, especially the year off of his injury in 2016, that next year he started off rough. I'm not saying he hasn't had any bad seasons, but you look at completion percentage from 2018 to 21 was over 67% every year. And that has to say a lot when you're dealing with everything that was going on with the John Gruden stuff last year, all the changes he had at offensive coordinator, all the changes he's had with all the trades they made. The Raiders have gone to so many different extremes between the front office and these big trades. And Derek Carr, through adversity, has been good through all that. And he's also one of the best fourth quarter quarterbacks in the league. Yeah, every quarterback's going to have their game inning receptions. I'm not saying he's perfect, but he's one of the better clutch quarterbacks in the league. In both years, the Raiders made the playoffs. He was top five in fourth quarter comebacks. I don't know if the Jets brought Hackett in for Rodgers. I think it was to persuade Rodgers, if he becomes available, to go to the Jets. And we don't know if Rodgers wants to leave Green Bay, or we don't know if Rodgers wants to come back. But I, I believe Nathaniel Hackett was brought in to persuade him. But even if Nathaniel Hackett doesn't get Aaron Rodgers there, Nathaniel Hackett is probably and probably was the best offensive coordinator that was available. Frank Wright went to the Carolina Panthers. They wanted Frank Wright. But Frank Wright got the Carolina Panthers job. And, and, and if you notice, I said this last week, as soon as Frank Wright was signed, by the Carolina Panthers, and it came out by Adam Scheffner. It, w I, it really was, what, 45 minutes after that, then the Jets came out and said that they were going to bring in Nathaniel Hackett as their offensive coordinator. So they were interested in Frank Wright and seeing where Frank Wright was going to go in the end. And everybody knows Frank Wright is, is a Long Islander. He's from this area. I think he's from Amityville. So uh, that's where the Jets wanted to go. 
But they brought in Nathaniel Hackett, and Nathaniel Hackett was the best, the second best offensive coordinator that was available this offseason. Who do we have, Speedy? We got Jeff on the phone. Jeff, what's up, man? Errol, how are you this evening? I'm good. And Speedy, how are you? I'm doing fine, man. How are you? Terrific. Thank you. You guys don't even need a good quarterback like Carr or Rodgers. You just need competent, and they'll they'll be a playoff team. You had total incompetent. If they just find someone halfway good, they're going to be just fine. Like, you don't even need Carr or, or Rodgers. But why settle that for that? That team's good enough. Why settle well, for that when it's when it's pretty easily available? They're not going to have to trade much for Carr because the Raiders have a deadline to trade. And, Jeff, when was the last time you see four to five quarterbacks that – I wouldn't say franchise – well, Aaron Rodgers is a franchise quarterback. I, I believe Derek Carr is a franchise quarterback. Lamar Jackson's a franchise quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't know if he's a franchise quarterback. But when was the last time you seen all these starting quarterbacks that are I mean, available in the same offseason? We've seen it plenty of times in the past few years. When? Philip Rivers, Philip Rivers and Matt Ryan. And Are you Wentz kidding me? Philip Rivers was an old man, okay? It all counts. He's, what, the same age as Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, but Aaron Rodgers, so, 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 hold, so hold on, hold count, on. But Aaron Rodgers does. That hold, hold, make any sense. It does, because Aaron Rodgers is a much better quarterback than Philip Rivers. It's yeah, not even Phillip, close. Philip, um, listen, um, a, a little better, yes, Philip Rivers is an all-time great quarterback. I'm not saying that he wasn't, but when San Diego, a.k.a. the L.A. um, LA Raiders, Chokers, chokers, whatever, the Chargers, (laughs) decided to part ways with him, he was done. He went to Indianapolis. He had a decent season. He wasn't good. Aaron Rodgers last year. That team was terrible around him. That team was terrible Okay, but he stunk. He was, what, 38 years old when he was traded to Indianapolis, or he went as a free agent free, to Indianapolis? 38 is last year with the Chargers, 39 with Indianapolis. Yeah, and he was, he, he's not Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers last year threw over 3,600 yards, and he missed a game. But we've seen we've seen it a ton. Tom Brady was available, right? Like he he left. Philip Philip Rivers, Carson Wentz. You've seen a lot of these quarterbacks. Well, Russell Wilson just got shipped out of Seattle. You've seen a lot of these quarterbacks that are supposedly franchise guys swap teams. So you don't even. And the other point would be, I would try to gamble on. Uh, kind of a journeyman guy because maybe you wouldn't have to pay him a bunch because if you all right so who's Rogers, the journeyman guy who would you bring in and don't say jacoby Brissett. Mar- marcus mariota oh you stop with marcus mariota did you see what marcus mariota did with atlanta this year he, they have nobody and they're terrible oh come yeah, on the jets Jeff. are the jets are a much better team at one point, oh, Kyle Pitts, going into the season, everybody thought, including yours truly, who I drafted Kyle Pitts as my second pick in, in, in the draft, all right? Kyle Pitts had a horrible year. Horrible year. <laughs> that had a lot to do with Marcus Mariota. There's no one else on the team. Oh, stop. Uh, who, who else do, is on that team? Drake London? Oh, oh a rookie. A rookie? Pretty good. all your money on a rookie. How about their running back slash uh, wide receiver? Cordero. How about him? Patterson. Yeah, Cordero Patterson's a good player, but he's he's like... I just named you three of them. Three weapons. How many teams have three weapons? They had a rookie running back that had almost 1,000 yards. Pretty good, too. Algier. I mean, they were pretty good. They're not very good. They're not a very good team. All we said was pretty good, not very good. what What about even getting Mitch Trubisky? Mitch Trubisky? Are you serious? You just need a halfway decent Mitch Trubisky? Are you serious? Here's what's going to happen on the Jets if you get Aaron Rodgers. (laughs) 
sure, that first year seems really great. You only pay him fifteen million, mm -hmm. and then when it does go up to forty and 50, thirty-two, all the thirty-two the year all after, and they spread out the other two years if he's there or he's not to about fifteen million each year. So they lose fifteen million million on each of the cap in in the third and fourth year. It doesn't really that's, affect them. It really doesn't. That, right. That's assuming he will restructure. Mm. Well, they, they're there's, saying there's no, there's no guarantee no. to that. But if he wants the team that he wants and he wants to make a run because everybody knows that Aaron Rodgers wants to win another Super Bowl and why not go to New York and do it? The Jets haven't won in, what, 53 years? If he could bring if, – if he could bring a Super Bowl home and even go to a Super Bowl home and, and bring it to the Jets and bring his talents to the Jets and do any of that, they will build a trophy – of Aaron Rodgers sculptures all over New York City. All he's got to do is complete five passes in New York. He's automatically the best quarterback that's ever played there. Listen, and I, I agree with you, Jeff. I, I think with, with Aaron Rodgers and his talent, he is much better than Brett Favre was when he went to the Jets. Much better. And it, it, with his ability to move inside and out of the pocket, he still could do it as good as anybody in the league. And he's so accurate at doing it. Yeah, I think he's going to make the younger players around him better. And and again, he's had Devontae Adams. He knows how good Devontae Adams is, is running routes and stuff like that. The Jets have two guys that can run routes just like him. I would just try to get a lesser quarterback than one of the top guys, like a Baker Mayfield maybe, right? Just so you pay him less and you'd be able to retain the draft picks more. Because those contracts are coming up. And, They're not giving and Quinn, Jeff. Quinn you know Williams this is coming up. Jeff, Elijah you know this. Jeff, you know this. And I'm I'm going to say it over and over and over again. The Green Bay Packers coming out and speaking to executives, saying that they want to part ways with Aaron Rodgers, and it's it's been out there. They're not getting two first round draft picks for him. They're not. Yeah. They're not. They're probably not. I still think he's going to end up in Vegas. But. They, I, it quite possibly could happen. I don't know if he could work with Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels is um, an interesting – you know him. He's an, it has an interesting personality. There's a lot of guys that I've, I've listened to that interviewed Josh McDaniels all over, you know, you know, the analyst world of ESPN and CBS said that Josh McDaniels is very hard to get along with. So – and that's why everybody thought Brady was going to go over there because him and Brady had a very good connection. And and John, if there's you can, anybody, you can honestly, say that about any coach because Aaron Rodgers might like Nathaniel Hackett doesn't mean the rest of the team is going to like him. You might be uh, right. Everyone, every everyone in Denver just hated Nathaniel Hackett. And they in Green Bay hated Nathaniel. Hackett. First of all, not everybody in Green Bay hated Nathaniel Hackett. Oh, I know Aaron Rodgers. No, not everybody in Green Bay hated Nathaniel Hackett. <laughs> Robert Tunyon speaks highly of Nathaniel Hackett. Devontae Adams loved him. If you're putting up numbers and you're getting him the ball, why would he hate them? And who did who did Devontae Adams choose? Nathaniel Hackett or Josh McDaniels? That was a trade. Devontae Adams chose the Las Vegas Raiders because he wanted to play with Derek Carr, his best friend. And I'm telling yeah. you right now, he regrets it. He absolutely – and you know what? It's smack in the face because he's stuck there. Think, he's stuck I there. I don't think he regrets it at all because he's oh, 100%. like – No, 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 no. Because the main reason he wanted to go – Money. To play closer to his – no, closer to his family. Yeah. He and, wanted to be closer to his family. So I, that, that's the only reason I'll say he doesn't regret it because that can, that's a major, a major motivator for him personally. Really? Uh, you're playing yeah. in the NFL. Don't you want to win a Super Bowl? 
He was already playing in the NFL. Did he ever? No. Being in the, I'm, I'm, I'm saying it right now. He is what? Devontae Adams is what? 29 years old? He wants to win a Super Bowl. What makes you think he's going to win a Super Bowl now that Derek Carr is gone? Davis Davis is one of the poorest owners in the NFL. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have any money. And that's why. Oh, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, dude can't even afford a decent haircut. (laughs) Decent haircut. uh, You know, the stadium. He didn't even pay for the stadium. He had uh, tax money over there in Vegas paying for it. He can't pay for a good GM either. Their drafts are horrible. Right, but right, but none of this even matters though, because according to Arian Foster, it's all rigged. <laughs> my my point here, and I want to come off this subject with Aaron Rodgers, but it's been a, a long enough conversation about Aaron Rodgers. The the fact is, when you look at the big picture right now, if you look at Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers, I understand Joe Douglas really wants Aaron Rodgers because it makes sense that they're all in. They're going to be all in for the next two years to win a Super Bowl in New York, and if he doesn't. And next year is his final year on his contract. Joe Douglas will be here six years after next year. Six. Which means the Jets signed him for a six-year deal. He said that he wants to bring a a winner home to the New York Jets in six years. He will be on his six-year contract next year. If he doesn't, he'll probably be gone. And so will Robert Sala. They need to be in the playoffs this year. They need to make a run this year. And the only way they believe they're going to make a run is if they add a quarterback, a veteran quarterback, sit Zach Wilson out for two years, let him learn behind these veteran quarterbacks. Maybe he's the future, maybe not. Then they look into the draft, win or lose the Super Bowl, or not even make the playoffs, win or any of those positions that they're going to be in, they could decide, you know what, Zach Wilson isn't the, uh, the guy, Aaron Rodgers is going to retire, or Derek Carr is going to be off, you know, onto the other team or a new team, and the Jets are going to be looking elsewhere in the draft. But this is their chance right now. They have control of the rookies. They have the talent there. When was the last time you remember, Jeff, that the Jets have the talent, offensive talent, that he ha- they have right now on this team? I don't remember. Uh, I, hear, I hear every year. Every year, I've Come heard on. Jets, Jets fans saying, what a great team. We're back. When was the last time the New York Jets had the talent at wide receiver they have right now? I don't know, seven, eight years ago. When had, uh, Who? With Braylon Edwards? Uh, and What, the one year? And home? And, and, I'm sorry, Santonio uh, The one Holmes? year of Santonio Holmes that he was good with the Jets? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know. The, that team that, was a joke. That team was a joke. But again, that wasn't homegrown, Jeff. They actually have homegrown, homegrown not offensive homegrown players. Homegrown doesn't matter. But that's not the question. Homegrown, not homegrown, he said. When was the last time the Jets had a talent wide receiver? Homegrown was not part of that equation. The Jets gave Santonio Holmes, a, what was it, a five, six-year deal worth of $100 million. He was one of the highest paid wide receivers. And one good year. Yeah, but you just named that other team too that had Decker and um, Brandon Marshall. Brandon Marshall. Yeah. Did they Brandon make? Marshall did they make the playoffs? Did they make the playoffs? No, but they had a lot of t- talented wide receivers. Okay, so you can have all the talent in the world if they don't get into the playoffs. What does it matter? But that was that was your whole point. You were like, My, yes, 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 and I and again, they they weren't the Jets' homegrown players. Yeah, which they, makes a difference contractually. They, they they did have Decker. They did have Brendan Marshall, and and had Brendan Marshall for what two years? Mm-hmm. He had one really good year, and then the next year he wanted it. He wanted to be pushed out of New York, and he did that everywhere he went. Ironically, just to go to the Giants the next year. <laughs> 
But Jeff, also to factor in, because they have to spend so much on free agents, they haven't been able to get the bigger quarterbacks down the road. They always have to draft rookies and put them in bad situations. Mark Sanchez, because he had those receivers, didn't have to do right away, but he still wasn't a great quarterback. And look at all the other rookie quarterbacks that have come in with just these god-awful receiving situations because the Jets don't know how to draft wide receivers. The Jets finally have a little bit of an improvement in that department when it comes to drafting wide receivers. And this is a guy in Joe Douglas that came from the Ravens who don't know how to draft wide receivers, Eagles and Bears that I haven't been great with it either. He learned how to do it himself. Well, what about what about just packaging some draft picks and moving up in the draft and taking one of these quarterbacks that's available? Who? C.J. Stroud? And, or Will Levis? Or Bryce Young? Because you're going. Because you're setting your team back again. You're you have these guys that are on their rookie contracts. You're right now. You have three million dollars. Three million dollars right now. Now, obviously, they're gonna they're they're probably going to move on from Sheldon Rankins and some of the other players, McGovern, in the offseason. So they'll open up cap room. But to bring in another rookie and depend on a rookie to get you all the way to the Super Bowl, it's not what the Jets want. You bring in a veteran quarterback that actually is really really good, can make the throws and do the things that they expect the quarterback to do, and with their defense as talented as they do have. Of the defense they have. And Robert Sala running this defense with Ulbrich. They have a chance to be an elite team next year. Right, but you guys you guys wouldn't even have to trade up. You guys could take a quarterback in the third round. Who? That's got a, a proven track record of winning. That's a great quarterback. Who? That played in Stetson Bennett. Oh, here oh, he goes. just got arrested? <laughs> Here he goes. He might not even go in the third round now. Listen, he got arrested for public intoxication. Will you let the, the guy doesn't stop you drinking? Still hurt a, you don't think that could still hurt the a guy, draft stock? Did you see the Cristal he was drinking public after he won his first national championship? No, no, no I, don't think, I don't think public intoxication is going to hurt Come on, Jeff. You, you want to talk about an arrest that's going to hurt somebody? I don't know. Joe Mixon putting a gun in someone's face today might hurt. Okay, and his draft stock fell. He could have been a, a second round pick or a early, uh, a late first round pick, and he fell to the third round right. because of it. Right, but you got you got Georgia Bulldogs, Stetson Bennett, waiting in like the third or fourth round for you. That would be amazing. Jeff, call back later. Thank you. Oh, well, I wanted to. I besides oh. Jeff, I wanted to ask you Here if you goes. believed the no the, the Arian Foster thing. Do you believe? I'm going to get into it. I'm going to get into it. So. You hear me out after uh, we get off the phone with you. I, I personally, I hope it's true. <laughs> it would just mean that Roger Goodell and the other owners hate the Cowboys as much as I do. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. Keep listening. Thank you. You can call up later, Jeff. Thank you. He's off. Oh, my God. He is a piece of work. I, I have to laugh every time he calls the show. He really, I love when he calls the show. Because he brings out a, a little personality. And some of his takes are really, really good. They really are. But, again, with the whole Aaron Rodgers thing, I think he's a little out there. I mean, if the Jets could get Aaron Rodgers, they make the trade. They absolutely make the trade because it makes them that much better. They go right now, What? where are the Jets uh, as far as Vegas opportunities to win a Super Bowl next year? Uh, look that up. Mm-hmm. So why don't we get into the Aaron Foster thing? Because everybody has been talking about it. And he was on a radio show this past week. I think it was on Monday. And uh, he said something very interesting on Barstool. He has a show on Barstool. Foster on Barstool. Uh, 
on the Barstool show, a PFT commentator, he's a PFT commentator, said that players would get scripts weekly and before the season started, which included performance performances, referee bias, and wins and losses to create storylines. Injuries were also mentioned too, but difficult to rig those and have the NFL players abide by that. That's what practice was about. It was about practicing the script, which is crazy. It's like WWF. We know what's going on to ha- we we know what's going to happen, but you still got to put on a good show. Foster said. Alva Kamara tweeted this response, and it's very interesting. When they handed me the script for our season during camp, I almost walked out of the facility, brah. And that he said at Arian Foster. Now, I'm going to say something, and I, I, there are a couple other players that said something. Uh, Marlon Humphrey said, "Me giving up 200 to Chase." was just me following the script. And then Micah Parsons said, SMH, shaking my head, I might show the script from the playoffs. Now, I don't know if this is true, but I've been saying this for years. Anybody that's listened to this show, anybody, Speedy, am I right or wrong? Yeah, you mentioned it. right. The, and the everybody attacked I, I was on the network. And everybody was attacking me. All over social media. Everybody said, you're out of your mind. You don't know what you're talking about. You're crazy to think that the NFL would script the season. Watch the Super Bowl of the Atlanta Falcons and the New England Patriots. If you don't think the NFL scripted that Super Bowl win to Tom Brady. Everybody tried to bring up the Trump thing and try to do this and try to do that. It had nothing to do with Trump. It had nothing to do with that. Arian Foster is not lying about this. I be- Now, I don't believe you could script everything that happened in games. And I don't believe you're going to go from quarter to quarter and decide how the game is going to go. I do believe the referees are helping out. Did anybody watch that Kansas City Chiefs and Bengals AFC title game? Did anybody see that Kansas City was getting practically all the calls and the Bengals weren't? Am I blind to think that the game was scripted? I absolutely believed that some of the game was scripted. I don't know if the NFL hates Dallas or hates the Jets. I don't know. And maybe, uh, you know, hearing Joe Namath uh, has jinxed the Jets all these years and his his number is in retirement. And he already said that if Aaron Rodgers comes to the Jets, he'll take his number out of retirement so Aaron Rodgers could wear number 12. And maybe that's a script to say the Jets are going to win the Super Bowl. I don't know if that is true, okay? What I do know is this is an NFL player, an elite NFL player at the time that he was playing. What was he, a four-time, five-time Pro Bowler? Yeah, 2010 to 14, he was the best running back. This guy was a good player. And he has come out and said that the NFL is scripted. And there are other players that have come out after their careers and said, yeah, I I believe the NFL is scripted. I believe that it's like like the WWE. It's, It's like sports entertainment. 
I have pointed out things that have happened in the Super Bowl. Video footage that you can watch on YouTube. You see a running back. I'm not going to mention. You could go look it out. The Broncos were in the game. Giving a thumbs up to a player. And you see the player absolutely, after he saw the thumbs up, when he's running the ball in to the end zone, completely miss him. Completely miss him. And he walks right in as a, in, a, in a touchdown. Now, I don't know what anybody thinks about this, and a lot of people have their own thoughts to it. And, and again, I don't think the whole game is scripted. Arian Foster... My, there, there might be some kind of truth that the NFL gives the coaches you know, certain things that should happen in the game and might happen in the game. I believe that. I really do. For them to go and say that they're practicing what could happen like the WWE, I don't believe that. I don't. Other former players such as, um, such as Emmanuel Echo, Echo, uh, mocked the senta- sentiment of script when it was when it came out when obviously Arian Forster said said that many fans on Twitter believed that injuries such as Travis Kelsey pregame and Brock Purdy's during the game were faked for the, from the NFL or for the NFL to benefit wanting the Eagles and Chiefs to go to the Super Bowl, aka as they are talking about the Andy Reid Bowl and the Kelsey Brothers Bowl. Bengals coach Zach Taylor looked like he had he he said it was rigged following the Chiefs winning uh, the game uh, with the field goal at the AFC title game. Pat McAfee on the show said he believes it isn't just the Bengals fans thinking the NFL is rigged. Pat McAfee says in in these words as he posted up on Twitter the NFL is rigged crowd was L A H D. After the Bengals and Chiefs game. Now, gambling is now in sports. And gambling is is everything. Here in New York, last year, gambling made over $750 million. Almost a billion dollars last year. In gross. It's going to go up. Billions every single year. You're gonna this year it'll be over a billion. The next year it'll be a billion and a half. The year after it'll be two billion, three billion, four billion. Everybody's going to be bidding and betting on sports. That's why it's going to be open for the whole country to bid on sports. And when you hear that it's rigged, it's starting to get you. If you're a if you're a a guy that likes to Bid on, you know, DraftKings or whatever you like to whatever you like to play. This isn't good for sports. It isn't. And I understand when you when you look at the big picture here, and Arian Foster is a smart guy. He's not stupid. And gambling is the way of life now, especially in the big cities. Right now, I don't think gambling is uh, right now opened in L.A., but it will be nope, soon. Chaz is still mad at that. California will not legalize sports. Not betting. yet, but it will. It will very, very soon. Chaz will throw a parade whenever that happens. It's going to happen. But when you have ex-NFL players coming out and saying this, and 
I don't really care what some of these other players, no-name players coming out and saying that Arian Forster's an idiot and he they don't they don't believe this. Why would they come out and make it seem like their careers were fake? Why would they come out and say that their careers were scripted? Nobody wants to hear that. No matter how much money they're making. But I will tell you this. And I believe this. Every year the NFL knows who's winning the Super Bowl. Every year. 100%. I believe that. I don't know about all the games, the AFC title game, the NFC title game. I don't know if all the games are scripted, but I believe, and I've said this before on this show many, many times, that the Super Bowl is scripted. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing that I think I'm, I'm not as extreme on the scripted side, but I am always been on the ref bias side. There's definitely a pattern with certain teams getting away with calls and getting Seattle and Patriots, Seattle, Seattle, both of them. I think both of them have gotten a lot with their share of calls. I think why would Pete Carroll decide to throw the ball when he was on the three yard line? He had more than enough time. And all he had to do is give the ball to the beast. That's all he had to do. Three yards is nothing, nothing for Marshawn Lynch. Nothing. That year, he was the best running back in the NFL. He would have ran through that defensive line. Why did he decide to throw it? I wonder. Super Bowl with Atlanta and the Patriots. And it all, and I'm not saying it's just the Patriots. But, I mean, you're not blinded to see. Did you watch the LA Rams and the Patriots? That horrible Super Bowl. Do you think it was a coincidence that the Patriots were the only team to score a touchdown in that game? The Rams were the best offense in the NFL all season. I think they had 55 touchdowns. Well, that goes back to what I was saying, though, about my thinking of referee bias. And that was a Super Bowl that the Rams, maybe they get in a miracle, but... They shouldn't have even been in because of the terrible oh play, terrible pass interference. Remember the Saints. They make Tom Brady to be a god. How about when Philadelphia? Remember when Philadelphia beat the uh, Philadelphia beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl? What was that four years ago? Five. Yep. Five years ago. Doug Peterson, that trick play. Remember that Nick Falls trick play? Everybody called a bootleg. Tom Brady threw over 500 yards. It was his best Super Bowl he's ever had. And he lost that game. And he looked like a god in that game, even losing that game. Nick Foles threw almost 400 yards in the game, and nobody even remembers Nick Foles threw 400 yards in that game and was the MVP of that Super Bowl. You think it's a coincidence that they make Tom Brady a god every time he made the Super Bowl? Well, yeah, they're going to have the storylines towards him Regardless, that's going to be a lot of media. That's going to be a lot of fans that are um, anointing him the goat, whatever the discussions. The Giants. The I'm sorry to cut you off. In 2007, do you think it was a coincidence that the Giants knocked off the undefeated Patriots in the Super Bowl the way they did with all the? And I don't listen. I don't think it was planned with that crazy catch by David Tyree. Okay, that was just amazing that it happened that way, but. I believe that David Tyree was supposed to catch that ball. I believe it. 
Why would the Giants, out of the whole season, David Tyree had one catch in the regular season. One. Yeah, he was a special teamer. One catch the whole season. And they used David Tyree in the final drive of the game for the New York Giants to go up and catch the ball. Come on, guys. You think that was a coincidence? Well, yeah, you have to be able to outsmart Bill Belichick by doing it with not your primary guys. Not that Plaxico Burst wasn't great in that game, too. But it is not a coincidence. It, it, I'm telling you guys. Honestly, nobody in their wildest dreams thought the Giants were going to win that game. And I don't want to hear that Giant fans thought that because they didn't. And then in 2011, that unbelievable catch by Mario Manningham, Manningham if you guys remember that. And it got him into field goal position, and then they drove it all the way down the field, and they scored a touchdown, which helped them win the game. Yep. Okay? And I don't know if you guys remember. I think it was in 2007. Who was the, the star cornerback on the Patriots? Asante Samuel. Asante Samuel. <laughs> remember when he could have intercepted that yep. ball? Mm-hmm. You think it was a coincidence that he just flat out missed it? Come on, guys. Go watch that play. Go watch that play again. Any other game, Asante Samuel picks six, touchdown, game over. He flat out missed the ball. Coincidence? I don't know. And that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying every game is rigged. I don't, I don't believe that. But I do believe the NFL knows who's going to make the playoffs. I think, again, I think it's an adjustment thing. I'm thinking... There's going to be some storylines they're going to want, especially with bigger name quarterbacks in particular. And also recently we've seen it as as home team Super Bowls. Now, I think that'll influence the refereeing a lot more as a whole, too. Now, I, I, again, I don't know of the enough data to be able to dissect every call with the NFC Championship game last year, for example. But you knew the league wanted the Rams in the Super Bowl. 100%. Same thing, I think, with the Buccaneers. You think it was a coincidence that the Saints got ripped off I know. Making, the, That's, making the Super Bowl? That's where I was getting at. They want the L.A. experiment to work. Why was the egregious call, non-call... For a, th- a fourth cornerback on the Rams, Nikel Roby Coleman, just gifting the Rams a fourth down stop, held the Saints to a field goal, give them time to tie the game. If that penalty doesn't happen, because keep in mind, the Rams had one timeout. It was past the two-minute warning. The Saints would have had first and goal. So either the, Saints, either the Rams would have had to let them score, so then you would have needed a touchdown, or if you stopped them... You call your timeout, you're probably down to 45 seconds. Do you think it's a coincidence that the Buccaneers got Tom Brady one year, they go to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl? Come on. Tom Brady never played with any of those players. Half those players never played with Tom. They brought Gronkowski in. They brought Brown in at, in the middle of the season. But none of those guys ever played with Tom Brady. Never ran that offense. All of a sudden, they win a Super Bowl? Come on, guys. And, and I think, again, I think there's... Because- how about how they got to the Super Bowl that year? Yeah, and I think there's an adjustment with, with those referees, with the refereeing bias trends that I've noticed with those types of teams. Look at a team like the Seahawks. The Seahawks, 
They were this upstart defense, the loudmouth Legion of Boom type defense. Everyone wanted to see them. And they've gotten a lot of beneficial calls. Look at the replacement refs game against the Packers. That Hail Mary. You're talking about the force out of bounds against Detroit that screwed Detroit, uh, Calvin Johnson and the Lions that year. They've gotten a lot of beneficial calls. There was one against Minnesota, too, that uh, sparked a comeback in their playoff game, the Blair Walsh missed field goal game. Like, the Seahawks have gotten a lot of benefits, too. Why? Because they're a loud team. Same kind of things with all these teams. Are you reading what Snug's saying right now? He says... Yeah, he said, if you believe the NFL is fixed, why do you bother even speculating on it? It's very, it's very, int- it's very easy. Why do people speak about wrestling? It's fake. Now, I'm not saying every single game is rigged. Right. I'm not saying that. But it's not a coincidence that these things are happening. Crazy things happen in the Super Bowl. It is not a coincidence. They want the Super Bowl to be amazing. They want to be. They want it to be something to remember for many, many years to come. You don't think anybody remembers or will ever forget David Tyree's catch, knocking off the undefeated Patriots, Tom Brady throwing five hundred yards in a, in, in a in a Super Bowl that he didn't win. Pete Carroll really. Marshawn Lynch dominating the game, running the ball, and all of a sudden, you have a chance to win the game against the New England Patriots, one of the best teams in the league all season long, and you're on the three-yard line, and all you had to do, there was like 45 seconds left of the game, and all you had to do was run the ball with Marshawn Lynch, and you didn't? You think that's a coincidence? Come on, guys. I'm not saying every game is rigged. I'm saying the Super Bowl could absolutely be semi-rigged. Look at Andy Reid right now, okay? Everybody thinks the Eagles should win this game. Everybody thinks the Eagles should win this game. Are you going to bet that the Eagles are going to win the game? The answer is not a chance in hell. Because the Kansas City Chiefs will have a chance to win this game, and I wouldn't be surprised if they win. I wouldn't be surprised. Why? Who wouldn't want to see Andy Reid beat, win his second Super Bowl, and beat his former team? A team that he went to the Super Bowl with and lost against the Patriots. He could never get over the hump with Donovan McNabb and Terrell Owens, if everybody remembers. He wins with Kansas City with with Patrick Mahomes against San Francisco, which, by the way, our friend Kyle Shanahan had a chance to win. They had a 10-point lead in the game against Kansas City with five minutes left, and he stopped running the ball. You think that's a coincidence? I'm just speaking what I've seen. It's mind-boggling. And it throws me off as a sports fan. I watch NBA and I watch the NBA you know games and and LeBron James going to eight straight you know NBA championships. Uh-huh. I mean, do I think that's a coincidence? No. I think all sports in a lot of ways can be rigged. Yeah, I think NBA is more player referee bias. NFL definitely shifts to more team referee bias. And I think as a result, you definitely see patterns of teams that get the call. And I don't want And I'm sorry to cut you off again. Arian Foster, guys, is a great player. Again, I'm going to go into this. He is not a washed up player. This guy, for four or five years, was the best running back in the NFL. One year, 
He ran, I think, over 1,600 yards or 1,500 yards. He had 16 touchdowns. I don't know. I'm just guessing on my head. I remember he had 16 touchdowns. He was by far the best running back in the NFL that year. And when he's coming out and saying and speaking about the NFL on his radio show, saying that it's rigged, am I going to believe Arian Foster? You damn well should. Yeah, 2010, his uh, first year as a starter, 16, 16 yards and 16 touchdowns that year, averaged 101 yards per game. And then in, uh, two years later, 2012, 14, 24, and 15 touchdowns that season as well. He was a great running back. So for him to come out and say that he believes the, N- the NFL is rigged, it's not a joke. Uh, Keith also says, only because I knew it was going to be fixed because you still have to have the right fix. I think there's also circumstances where the NFL has an incentive that they want. And they 100%. Don't get it, that they don't get it. I'm sure the NFL wanted Rams Chiefs last year. and they got Do you Rams think the Bengals. NFL wanted San Francisco and Kansas City? Nobody wanted to see San Francisco and Kansas City. No, everyone, everyone wanted to see Packers. They, I know. Yeah. No, no, I'm talking about this year. Oh, this in the year, AFC okay. and yeah. NFC title game. Yeah, this year. Okay. San Francisco and the Eagles, Kansas City and the Bengals. I know I wanted to see the Bengals and I wanted to see the Eagles because I think they were the two best teams going into those games. But everybody, I've heard it. Everybody wanted to see Andy Reid play the Philadelphia Eagles. Andy Reid and the new Phil- the new Philadelphia Eagles versus the Eagles, the new the new Eagle style game with Jalen Hurts and uh, the newly fueled Philadelphia Eagles team. I sit here today and I'm I don't I don't know what the truth is and we'll probably never know the truth. No, any game script that Arian Foster says you're never going have, to see it. There's not going to there's no evidence of it. No, you, <laughs> it's all gone. It's thrown out. It's deleted. hundred percent because <laughs> yeah. because the coaches get it and then the coaches are sitting down with the players. He said it. They practice certain things in the you know at practices that they already know is going to happen in the games. He just said it. Keith also says, I'm, pr- I'm proud of you for having the balls. I'm talking about the Pats Giants game in 07. He said he bet the under in that one and parlayed it. Uh, but it's always been like the mafia control to run the games in the old days. I'm just speaking what I've seen. And I, I've said this before. I've been speaking about this for years. Years on this show. And so many people attacked me all over social media. So many people told me I was nuts. I don't know what I'm talking about. I had Mikey C., on the show, me and Mikey were fighting about it for years. And he said, you don't know what you're talking about. You're an idiot. But this isn't the first athlete that speaks about this. And has spoken about this. Not surprising to hear that from Mikey C., the Closet Patriots fan. <laughs> I'm just saying. Mikey liked to attack me in every kind of way. And he said I was out of my mind when I said that I think the NFL is fixed. I know, he had to protect his closet patriots that he likes to root for randomly out of nowhere. Just breaking out a shirt on draft night for no reason. Sports Illustrated, Albert Breer, reports that the Bears are committed to Justin Fields and are looking to trade the number one pick. Here's what I'm going to say about Albert Breer. He, he loves to spread rumors. Okay, as we have a rumor guy on our network in Joshua Silverberg, he is not Adam Scheffner. He's not. But this isn't no secret. They drafted Justin Fields. They moved up. 
They traded from 20 or 21 to move up to 11 with the New York Giants to get Justin Fields. They gave up a first and I think a third. A third uh, the next year. This year they just drafted. They gave up another first and a third as as you saw with the Giants. So they gave up two first and a third to move up to get Justin Fields. Justin Fields proved to everybody this year that he can run an offense. Can he throw the ball? That only Justin Fields has to uh, prove to the coaching staff and the Chicago Bears fans. He did not throw the ball a lot this year, but man, oh man, the kid could run. He can run. He is an athletic beast. If he can stay on the field. Now, he can't withstand the beating that he got this year. He can't. He needs to learn how to throw in the pocket. I believe he will. He's 230 pounds. He is bigger and stronger than Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson has skinny legs. I don't know if anybody has seen Justin Fields play. The guy is built. He's fast. How many quarterbacks you know can run a 4-5? He can. I think he ran in 4-4, actually. He is a fantastic athlete. Now, Albert Breer is getting the sense that the Bears will stick with quarterback Justin Fields and attempt to trade the number one overall pick, he said, on the Rich Eisen show. Colts have been most likely the team to be rumored to move up from one drafting at four. The NFL insiders believe that the Seahawks could be a team to watch uh, to uh, also to make an attempt to move up from the position that they're in to move up to one, but also believe it is not a guarantee to be for a quarterback either, possibly Georgia pass rusher Jalen Carter. Last season, wide receiver Darnell Mooney missed five weeks. Wide receiver Byron Pringle missed six weeks. Wide receiver Chase Claypool only played seven games and missed two. Tackle Tevin Jenkins missed four weeks. Center Cody uh, Whitehair missed five weeks. I mean, how many people were healthy last year for the Chicago Bears? Justin Fields, if he actually threw the ball last year, could have thrown 4,000 yards. He had the ability to do that if he had the weapons on the field. He played with... Fourth and fifth string wide receivers last year because they couldn't stay healthy. Yeah, Mooney's their best receiver, and he's like a low-end two, <laughs> and he's smaller, too. So that's the best receiver you're dealing with. Yeah, running back, the, uh, David Montgomery's pretty good, but he's not a pass-catching guy, and he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. I am not a Mel Kuyper fan, okay? Uh, I know. <laughs> I never liked Mel Kuyper, but he said this about Fields. I am... I am with Justin Fields all the way. I love the kid. Justin, to me, is going to be a great quarterback in this league. He already is showing signs of that. Surround him with better players, and he will take off. No question. So you're hearing it from, I guess you could say, specialty draft you know, professionals like Mel Kuyper. And I, I am not a Mel Kuyper fan, like I said. I, I, I think the guy is crazy. Uh, he gets paid a lot of money to make his predictions, and his predictions are 90% wrong and 10% right. And he still has to retire because he was so high on Jimmy Clausen. <laughs> boy, oh boy. <laughs> Chris Sims said on NBC Sports Chicago, are you kidding me? That's what he says. Get the heck out of here. We are looking at one of the guys that might be one of the best running quarterbacks in history of football. You don't trade that away. 
he has a special elite attribute that you can build something special off of. And I agree with him. Lamar Jackson did it. When Lamar Jackson came into the league, everybody said he was not going to be successful coming from Louisville. Nobody. He was drafted the final pick of the first round. And honestly, as much as I love Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson's been the best quarterback in that class. He has been. Josh Allen never won an MVP. Lamar Jackson was the best quarterback in the league. What was it, his second or third year in the NFL? Every time he stayed healthy, he got his team in the playoffs in one of the hardest divisions of football. Cleveland, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, and Baltimore. That has been one of the elite divisions in football for years. And playing a one-dimensional game, he has never really had a number one wide receiver. Never. And Lamar Jackson wins 10 games, 11 games. Puts up the numbers. He doesn't have an agent, so he's his own agent. Obviously hasn't worked for him, but uh, this offseason, he's going to make a lot of money. Justin Fields is a better player than Lamar Jackson. I believe Justin Fields will be an elite quarterback in this league. I'll say it again. (laughs) When that draft was coming around the corner, before I made my educated guesses on who I thought was going to be the best quarterback in that class, I thought Justin Fields was the guy I wanted the Jets to draft. He was the guy. I think the Jets could run their offense through him even now. With the weapons they have. Having a running quarterback that can do the things that he can do. He's almost unstoppable. If he learns how to throw the ball and be accurate. Half accurate. And he throws 3,500 yards a season. He will be elite. Top three quarterback in the NFL. If this kid could throw between 3,200 and 3,500 yards. And run Six, seven, eight hundred yards. And the only reason why he was not one of those quarterbacks like Daniel Jones and Josh Allen and the quarter and the quarterbacks that we spoke about the last this past year. The only reason why is because he was playing hurt. Yeah, yeah, as a result, that nowhere close to the passing yards. The guy could have probably run a thousand yards this year. He had the two highest single game totals when it came to rushing yards, including the NFL Especially record fantasy. against Miami. Uh, where he had 165, I think it was, rushing yards, which set a record broken by Cam Newton, who had 151. Uh, Keith said uh, he's beat up from all the running. Yes, yeah, so 100%. And, yeah, and beat up from a terrible offensive line play, yes. Get a good offensive line, guys that can, you know, obviously be built in front of him, a wall, he will be unstoppable. Mm-hmm. Look what look what Baltimore did over the years. Before they decided to trade Brown to Kansas City right. and, and the things that they had they did over the last couple of years, Baltimore had a good offensive line right in front of Lamar Jackson. They ran their offense through Lamar Jackson. They were unstoppable. Lamar Jackson was unstoppable. He was untouchable. This guy is better than that. Not only better, he's faster and bigger. Lamar Jackson is 215 pounds soaking wet. He's thin. He's skinny. This guy is 230 solid that could do that. 
Keith also says that he also is not the most accurate. I was talking about no. Lamar Jackson, and he says, "Yes, you remember he 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 remembers that you wanted Fields, and he thinks Fields is going to be great." And yeah, he's probably had among quarterbacks that just got drafted. I would say in the last five years, the single worst circumstances were having no receivers and no offensive line to speak of. Yeah, they've had okay, decent running backs and running game, team running games at times, but that's not going to win in today's game. Yes, Chicago is good at finding gems there. Congratulations. You need receivers in today's league. Simple as that. And the Bears, kind of like we were saying with the Jets earlier, they need to figure out how to draft homegrown wide receivers. And they can't do it right now. And it's hurting Justin Carl Fields Carl says Fields won't be elite, but he will be a quality player. I, I think he's going to be elite. If they find players that can play with him, they need wide receivers. They, Mooney is Mooney's good, but he's not. Claypool, to me, is a third guy. You need a number one guy. You need a guy that's going to go up there and do the things that you need him to do. Do the dirty work. Go in the middle of the field. Make the catches. If they could find like a a T. Higgins or a, like a Jamar Chase, forget it. And you, you, you put an offensive line in front of fields. You give him two really good tackles. You don't even need good guards because all you need is tackles that can, can run with him. Right. You just need solid guards. And... The Bears are going to have $108 million in salary cap this this offseason. You can get two they receivers, and you can get a good tackle with that. I don't start. know about the wide receivers because there's nobody really available unless they go after Hopkins. Uh, there will be a lot of teams after Hopkins, and, and there are stories coming out. He's he's looking towards going to the NFC. And stay, I'm sorry, staying in the NFC. Yeah, I could believe that. And I think the, I think the Bears, though, because they want to they have a young core grow together with a young quarterback, they're going to probably pursue somebody like a Higgins, I would think. I think that when you look at where the Chicago Bears are and being that they're in a very weak division and if Aaron Rodgers decides he's going to the AFC, which probably is going to happen, I mean, why couldn't the Chicago Bears? Justin Fields could turn out to be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFC. NFC. There's no Tom Brady anymore. There's no Aaron Rodgers if he goes to the AFC. Who do you have to compete with as a top elite quarterback in the NFC? Jalen Hurts? Yeah. Not money. Matthew Stafford? Yeah, but even so, like, there's not even many, like, young quarterbacks (laughs) in the NFC that you're going to worry about, too. Like, Matthew Stafford and Kirk Cousins had uh, good seasons recently, and that was really it. Hurts is the main, like, young, young guy to compete with. And if the Colts move up at number one, one of those young quarterbacks are going to the AFC. Right. It's all in the AFC. You don't have to contend with those guys over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And especially in that division, too. We don't know where the Lions are going. And Minnesota, even, too. Like, Cousins will be there, but where do they go after that? When we come back, we'll be talking to Wisconsin sophomore cornerback, our friend, Al Ashford, here on the Sports Loudmouths. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to the Sports Loudmouths. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You can check us out by going to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows, which are live throughout the week, including our show, Sports Loudmouths, that airs every single Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Thursdays at 9 p.m. I say this all the time, so if you guys don't like 
uh, you know, some of the crazy, crappy shows that you hear on all different networks. Well, you come over here. You move to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network and check out all our shows. They're great shows throughout the country, including some of the greatest guests. And a guest that I'm looking and have been looking forward to interviewing again, a very good friend of ours. Uh, He's been dealing with a lot of injuries, but uh, we love him, and we're looking to get a chance to see him on the field this year. We are now talking to Wisconsin sophomore cornerback Al Ashford. Ali Al, what's up, man? What's going on? How y'all doing? I like those glasses, man. Those shades. What I like those? the shades and yeah, the hat. Man. I, uh, I pulled up in them to class. It was still light outside nice. when I went. Got mm. out of there, man. It was dark. I was just like chilling with them, man. Stop had, showing had a off. Good day man. though, man. Can't complain. Ah, uh, you know those are uh, pretty penny over there, huh? Shoot, man. Shout out. Uh, shout out. Sunglass Hunt trying to trying to hook the guys up this uh you know like game it. days we, we get hooked up man mm-hmm. with the suits they be trying to help guys out getting some shades so we throwing some good discounts man I'm loving it man I have I have the same glasses by the way just so you know I I, I could actually go over there and put, put them on but I'll send you a picture of me wearing the same glasses as you but I I, I love you man but I don't like the hat but that's that's okay I like the hat don't you worry know, hey man listen I just want to talk about you know. I'm a, I'm a rep how my team shocked the world, man. We we did what everyone thought we weren't going to do. And, you know, I just think that represents, you know, what we are as a team. But not only that, you know, as a fan base, because I feel like, man, I, I, I took some adversity to it. And I, and I felt it with these guys, mm-hmm. man. You know, I know how it feels to be counted out and, and to make it happen, man. So, shoot. We know we, we still got work to do, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna be somebody, man. I'm telling you, it's look coming. at you, look at you, big man. blue coming back. Well, look yeah. at that. Maybe you'll be a big blue guy mm-hmm. in a very in a very near future. Who knows? Nah, that'd man. be that'd be crazy, man. I, I wouldn't even know what to do with myself. You'd man. fall over and die. I know you. <laughs> don't, don't worry. You, it, when you when you get drafted, you can replace Darnay Hobes, and already uh, I'll take you as an upgrade. <laughs> How are you and your family doing? I know you're a big family man. I see all the pictures that you post up on Instagram. How's your father doing? How's your mom doing? How's the fam? Man, we can't complain. We're blessed, man. My mom recently actually just got a new promotion. Good for her. Um, She got a a big uh, director of diversity and inclusion job. Um, So that's that's a big deal, man. Going to be helping out the family so much more. And, uh, you know, my dad's still working for the state of Colorado, doing his thing, uh, working in – communications uh cellular communications so he he up on telephone poles and stuff man oh man and um you know it's cold out there though so he be, he be calling me up from some from some high towers telling me he's frozen <laughs> up there but tell him to stay safe as long as he's not oh, climbing a mountain sure, doing electric stuff you're probably good <laughs> yeah no nah, yeah shoot man yeah i have to have him send y'all some send me some videos he uh he has to go on snowcats a lot of times <laughs> oh mountains. wow to go work on, you know, some 400, 500 foot towers. He's out of his mind. I'm not going on four or five. No, nah, yeah, pops, pops a while, man. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Every, you know, ever since he got out the Marines, that dude gonna work. He gonna work an interesting job, man. Well, and, and he's doing well for you. He has is a successful son doing what he's doing in Wisconsin. We are talking to Wisconsin sophomore cornerback Al Ashford. Al, you have a new coach over there, Luke Fickle, very well known. Uh, an, an Ohio State Buckeye, you know, from heart. He decides to shift over there from Cincinnati and go over there and coach uh, the Badgers. I am not a Badger guy, as everybody knows, but I love Luke Fickle. I really do. What was your thoughts when you heard that the Badgers were going to bring in Luke Fickle? Well, uh, you know, obviously change is always tough, man. You know, especially being that uh, Coach Chris and that staff had been here for so long, you know, so – 
being that, you know, all the guys there got recruited by those, that staff, you know, nobody really was, was kind of newer, you know, like there was, there was some young guys, but they still got recruited by that staff, you know? So we all had a close connection to them and uh, it was real abrupt. You know, we just kind of got, got alerted like, Hey, you know, coach Fickle's the coach. Like we, we didn't even know, you know, really anything. And, uh, Shoot, man, to be honest with you, at first, you know, obviously you're kind of upset and, and, you know, because you're not going to have that same connection with those coaches you had before. But then I, I started researching Coach Fickle, and I seen that video of him uh, in Cincinnati's locker room doing pull-ups after they won. And I was like, man, I play for this dude. Shoot. <laughs> I'm ready. So, yeah, that's all it took to, to, to sell me, man. I, I think I think we're going to be going to be excellent, man. I, I love the, the way the coaches kind of uh, have communicated what they want to do from the strength staff down. Um, man, yeah, it's, it's a lot of locked in guys, man. Everybody real excited right now, man. So culture wise with coach Fickle so far, both with his personality and also the way he has run the team. How, how, how has it been different in comparison to Paul Christ, who is a veteran guy? Um, being that it is still so kind of early because a lot of the times the coaches have been on the road and it's really been us with the strength coaches. I can't really speak to that part in terms of how, how different they are, but I can say, you know, when you know someone like a coach Chris for so long, it becomes so comfortable. You know, obviously when you only know somebody for a few months, like a month now or two months, you're not going to have that same kind of connection right away. You know, it takes, it takes time. Al, you play the cornerback position and Mr. Fickle developed arguably one of the best corners in the NFL right now in sauce Gardner, a guy that uh, really just spoke high of himself, was drafted by the jets yours truly team, and then just went out there and played this year and became elite cornerback in his first year. Now you have the same coach over there coaching you. Do you do you see yourself as another guy that can learn under one of the better coaches in the NCAA that could get you to the higher, you know, the higher position that you want to play and maybe be an NFL cornerback uh, in the future? Oh, definitely, man. You know, just seeing the uh, the fact that, you know, a guy like Sauce Gardner, he wasn't a highly touted recruit. You know, he was a guy that they recruited and, and they developed there at Cincinnati, you know. So that being said, you know, like me being a guy that, although, you know, I was recruited to Wisconsin and, and I played under a different staff, I feel like I still had that openness and willingness to learn that, man, if they if they uh, really give me that opportunity to learn from, I, th- I think I can, I can definitely do something real similar or even better, man. Just, uh, Shoot, man, the, the, just the intensity they bring to the table every day from what I hear about strength and conditioning to, you know, even how Coach Fickle carries himself. Um, I think if, if I can get, you know, some of that to rub off, man, I, I can mess around and, and really make something happen. I see how guys like Sauce Gardner, why they are the way they are, you know, especially being developed under the toolage of a guy like Coach Fickle. We saw in certain stretches with the Seahawks when they had the Legion of Boom with these long corners started to be a big thing now. And then it kind of died out. A lot of the younger corners that got good right away were more quicker guys. But now somebody like Sauce and some of these other youngsters, do you think that kind of trend will come back where these longer corners were going to be the new wave of the league again? Uh, definitely, man. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I might be a little biased because I am a longer corner, mm-hmm. you know, and, and – a lot of times longer corners kind of get put into this box where I feel like they look at us like we're just a utility DB. Like we can play at the safety role as well, you know, or if they need to slide us in the slot, we can, or we can guard tight ends. A lot of times, a lot of long corners aren't put on that Island. You know, you only got a handful that really get put into that role. And I love how the young ones nowadays are doing it like a Patrick Sertain, you know, um, who else you got Trayvon Diggs, even though he, 
you know, he, he kind of be arguing at times. He's a long, you know, corner, and he's really trying to take that island over, you know what I'm saying? Or Xavier Howard, who's a longer corner, Jalen Ramsey. It's definitely a, a great thing to have just because of so much of the height that you're seeing on the outside now. You know, receivers are so tall, and they're jumping out the gym, man. And a lot of times having a guy that is, you know, close to as tall and, and just as athletic and maybe even jump higher, that's that's great thing to have, man. We are talking to Wisconsin sophomore cornerback Al Ashford. Al, uh, there's a lot of interesting changes uh, in the NCAA of the portal. Everybody is speaking about that. A, t- a player could just jump ship one year and jump ship another year and go wherever they want. And uh, obviously you, you have Luke Fickle there. Uh, did you ever think after Fickle decided, uh, obviously Wisconsin decided to bring in Fickle, that you were going to put yourself in the portal and maybe look elsewhere to play? Um, I, I can't say that I did, man. To be honest with you, uh, I had a mentor who, um, his name's Dave Logan. Coach Logan played for the uh, CU Buffs, and then he played for the Cleveland Browns for a while, and uh, actually was drafted in the MLB, um, the NBA, and NFL. Yes. Uh, he's one of the few, one of the three guys that ever did that. And he told me, he said, you don't commit to a coaching staff. You commit to a program. You commit to a city. You commit to a brand. He told me that from here on out, the degree that I get from that brand and the city that I started to play for, he was saying, like, that's how you go about it. Like, that's the right way to do it, you know. So, for me, I um, I love Wisconsin, whether it was going to be, you know, anybody here, man. So, you know, as long as they was going to give me an opportunity to play ball, you know, I was going to be here, man. It, it, it didn't matter what it was. I didn't think once about it. I was like, shoot, man, I just hope you bring in somebody really good. <laughs> So since the last time we had you on the show, uh, there were news about the Big Ten potentially getting UCLA and USC now added to the conference as well. In addition to big powerhouses, Michigan, Ohio State, and then you guys in the West have always been a big powerhouse as well. So uh, what do you think that kind of rivalry aspect and maybe travel aspect will be like for those teams and also potentially for these East and West teams also merging together into one division? Shoot, the, the best thing I can say, man, I went to Ohio State this year. We uh, Before the game of the season, I got to play against Ohio State. Right before it gets really cold, so it was like right on that cusp where I had my arms out, but it was right on that, like, oh, this is kind of cold. And I got to see how the really cold games are. I would pray, you know, like it's going to be great that we get to go maybe to L.A. <laughs> for some games of the season if we get to play <laughs> USC. So that's how I feel about it. It's going to be warm. Shoot, that'd be great. Hold on one second. You're from upstate New York, and you're complaining about the cold? <laughs> Yo, man, listen. This this cold we got over here, we had a week where we didn't have a day that was over, like, 8 degrees. Really? I, I like that weather. <laughs> I, I like gonna, that I was going to come visit you now. You're not practicing outside. You know what I'm come saying? Come on, Al. I, I would be out there with flip-flop shorts and a wife beater. You don't know me, man. I, hey, <laughs> that's what's up. Hey, more power to you, man. That's how some of our old linemen be. Them guys do that, man. I, I'm a guy that I'm, I'm going to be layered up. I'm I got you. I got you. <laughs> we are talking to Wisconsin sophomore cornerback, our friend Al Ashford. Al, one of our fans have a question for you. Carl okay. uh, Carl Falk uh, from Tampa, Florida, uh, asks, ask him, which is colder, Wisconsin or Colorado? Ooh. Um, I would say, actually, Wisconsin gets less snow. Colorado gets a lot more snow. Um, and I don't know if that's just because of the, the where it's at in the country and the mountains and all that. But I can say in terms of temperature, Wisconsin is, is significantly colder. 
at least from where I live in Colorado. But there are parts of Colorado I've been to up in the mountains where it's the coldest thing I've ever felt in my life. Like, there was one time we went up on Pikes Peak, which is like 14,000 oh, something is, yeah. feet. Mm-hmm. Man, I was up there. They have like a little railroad that takes you to the top <laughs> of the peak. You get to look over. You're above the clouds. It just was like in the negative degrees. It was <laughs> so cold. Like I remember that being one of the coldest things I ever experienced. This parts of Colorado is pretty cold, but I say from where I live, like in terms of Denver, Colorado, and where I went to high school at, compared to the University of Wisconsin, Wisconsin definitely colder. No. So what is the uh, coldest moment, either on and off the or off the field, that you had in Wisconsin? And again, how does it compare to that? <laughs> Oh, in Wisconsin, it would be uh, we had a spring ball practice where it was the it started raining. And then this random fall came in and froze everything. Wow. So your helmets, everybody's visors are completely frozen. We had to pop everybody's visors. <laughs> and um, I remember I was wearing gloves and I was great because they were still kind of dry. So my hands were cold, but they were so dry until I had a pass breakup where I dove. And I slid, so my hands were, like, completely soaked and frozen. And they were cut, so they bleeding. I'm just sitting there just frozen, man. <laughs> that that was probably the my maybe my welcome to college football moment right there. I was like, man, I really love football because there's no other way I'd be out in this weather right here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. It's, it's below it, – what is it? Almost below zero right now, and you're wearing sunglasses in the middle of the day. So there you go. <laughs> now, it do be sunny, though, man. I can't complain. Madison – uh. It's definitely better than how it was back in Rochester in terms of sunny days, man. Mm. We get a lot more sunny days, so wow. I love it, man. Maybe oh. he's just rolling with the uh, the Corey Hart song. He wears his sunglasses at night. <laughs> I wear my sunglasses at night. I could see you. I, I No question, Al. I could see you go to a club with the sunglasses and start pop lock and drop it. I, I could see man, you doing I just it. Be trying to, I just be chilling, man. You know, um, shoot, I was, I was leaving. Uh, I went to the gym. I was driving, and it was just when, like, that sunlight, you know, is coming down and the sun's like pointing straight in. So I was wearing them and then I ran in to, you know, hop in with you guys. So I just left them on. I was like, they think, they think it's pretty cool, you know. I don't oh, absolutely, absolutely man. We had uh, Jeremy Mincy on, ex NFL player on last week, and he was wearing sunglasses and shades. And I was like, oh, yeah. man, I mean, how much are those glasses over there? He's like, I can't tell you, but they're, they're nice. <laughs> I was like, okay, Jeremy. You know, he's he's a producer now. He's retired. He is, what, seven years in the NFL, eight years in the NFL. And uh, fantastic people. We interview a lot of nice people, including you, who's been a friend of the show. We've uh, we've seen you grow. And I want you to stay healthy, man. How is your health? I mean, obviously, you've had knee problems. You've had shoulder problems. Where are you at right now? Man, I'm uh, I'm close, man. I'm um. I'm really, like, I feel like finally getting to rebuild my foundation from a solid foundation, you know, in terms of being an athlete. Uh, A lot of my injuries I've had were actually injuries that I kind of beat up over time. Like, I had happened to me, and I never really got a fix, and I kept trying to push it. And just being tough, you know, like, I didn't want to kind of sit myself down. That ended up hurting me kind of down the road. So I was able to learn from those experiences, and and now I'm at a point where I've I've rehabbed, and I'm going to continue to go hard in rehab, and, um, I'm I'm really rebuilding that foundation. So man, it, I think it's gonna be scary. They told me, um, shoot, man, they I, I was still jumping a 39 and a half inch vertical. Wow. I was still broad jump 10-5. And that was when they told me that in my left the left hip I had, I had left hip surgery, that um I only had about 30 to 40 percent like full function in my left leg. Mm. And I was still able to do all that stuff. So I was thinking in my head, shoot, man, we 
after we got the surgery, I'm like, it's about to be scary if I get full. I just even yeah. close to. I just had left full function. I just had left hip surgery too, my labrum. Same thing. Yes, sir. Oh man, what did they do? Arthroscopic. Yes, sir. Oh, yes, sir. Yeah, man. And I, I couldn't walk for a month, man. I was on crutches for a month. That's horrible. Absolutely yeah, horrible. around here in the cold, man. The blessing was the uh, the team, you know, the coaches and the um, player personnel people here. They they flew my mom out. She was able to stay in my apartment with me, mm-hmm. um, help take care of me for for a few days. Oh, just, you know, your cook, mom. cook some meals, leave, leave some stuff from the crockpot, man. And um, I got some great family. I got family in Chicago who drove down to visit me and dropped off plates of food and. You know, they all they all be trying to feed me, so I appreciate it. Stop making me play. jealous, man. Stop it. You're gonna make Arrow come oh, up man. come yeah. me crying. Come now, up to man. your eight degree yeah. climate and uh I can't damn lie, you man, for the uh for, for the things that happen, you know, it's it's tough and, and injuries suck. You know, like me, I look at my career so far and although I've thought of myself like I could really contribute to my team for the last two years, I've only got to play four games. Right. You know, and and even in my four games, I even when I just finally got to start showcasing my talent and was really starting to kinda pick it up you know I, it got cut short but i think uh you know to to whom much is given much is earned i gotta work through it and i know god's not gonna give me you know nothing more than i can than i can handle so yeah man shoot i'm just i'm just excited for what's gonna come in my future man and, and really excited for just what type of ball player i'm gonna be now that i don't i ain't worried about nothing everything fixed now ain't nothing <laughs> You are you can't teach length and and you have it and that's that's something that uh, moving forward is going to help you move forward in not only in your college career but maybe your pro career. Yes, sir. I appreciate that. So uh, another big thing with college football has been the the NIL deals that have come in. Uh, have you gotten any of those in- endorsements or offers so far with anything with NIL? And if so, uh, if you could yeah, describe I, them, specifically. I can't really disclose what brands because I'm no, no, I understand that. Um, but there's a couple that really wanted to work with me and even like guys on my team. And there was some team kind of collective deals that wanted to work with a lot of guys. Um, and yeah, it hasn't been too big of an issue for me. Like I haven't really been too tapped in with NIL. To be honest with you, I've really been focused on just kind of learning about my finances in terms of, uh, you know, we get stipend checks each month. So I'm really learning about saving and I've been really studying on investing and uh, really getting into paying attention to my credit, man. I'm trying to trying to be the first homeowner in my family man so i'm Look really trying you, to pay man. attention to that stuff and just learn about it man so that's really been my focus man i feel like nil and all that stuff if you ball you get the call so i'd rather i'd rather ball out first you, you know? tell him man you tell him you ball out man you tell him we had tate williams on yesterday another guy that we interviewed since he he came from high school and he's a homeowner over there where he, he he's playing and uh yeah in the heart I, of why texas not? Why not? Why not our boy, Al Ashford, a homeowner, a rich homeowner, hopefully playing for his New York Giants. As everybody knows, we are talking to Wisconsin sophomore cornerback Al Ashford. Al, I look at the, you know, obviously everything that's going on. You have a quarterback that's from Long Island, okay? Speedy, please. You have a quarterback from Long Island. Jack Kane. Cone, I'm sorry. Oh, Cone. Yeah, that's right. Jack Cone who played for Sable. Uh, this guy was one of the best quarterbacks to come out of Long Island. Tell us a little bit about him, what you know about him, and his development as a quarterback over there in Wisconsin. Yeah, so Jack Cohn, um, I, me personally, I didn't get to actually practice or anything with Cohn because as soon as I came into college as an early enrollee, 
Cone had just had his injury, and the COVID season was was uh, I want to say he was injured, and that's when Graham kind of got his shot. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he um, it was interesting, man, because I remember the year before when they went to that Rose Bowl, and I was a commit, hearing all the stories about him, man. I I heard he was he was a dog, man. He was a he was a hard worker. And then when we played against him when he went to Notre Dame, um, he had a he had a solid game until he got hurt. Um, he he wasn't he wasn't bad at all. Mm-hmm. He's an athletic kid. He could take a hit. Um, he he uh he definitely had you know a Big Ten arm for sure. You know a lot of them Big Ten quarterbacks can sling that thing. So you know um, yeah man he uh, Jack Cohn. I heard some great things about him man. And then you know it, it's tough. You know the reality of college football is you know not everyone that you know, is a good guy or, you know, mm-hmm. that guy's like is always going to stay with the same team, you know, and that's just the, the reality of it. So, you know, sucks that he had to go play for Notre Dame, but more, mm-hmm. you know, congrats, congrats to him that he did get to go play for Notre Dame and have that experience, man. And no, he did. He did. He did commit to Wisconsin like you did. And uh, obviously was there for a little bit. And then he decided to uh, portal his way to Notre Dame. So uh, that's why one of the guys, uh, one of the guys asked me, is, uh, ask him a little bit about if, if he knows a little bit about Jack Cohn. Uh, did he have the opportunity to, to obviously practice with him or play with him? So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I got you. So another one of our fans, uh, Carl, also asked, uh, what did a player like uh, Will Johnson from, uh, from Michigan, I don't know if you've had any uh, conversations with him, um, what does he need to do to go from great to elite, he asks. Will Johnson, that's the cornerback, I believe. Cornerback um, from Michigan, he says, freshman. Yeah, he's a freshman. Yeah, nah, he, uh, I've watched some tape on him. He's a dog, man. Uh, I love his his hands at the line. I like the way he plays with his feet. He, uh, he, he you don't see him um, in, in trail technique a lot. You don't see him beat a lot. You, he's always pretty much in phase. He stays on top a lot. Um, I love, I love the way he plays uh, aggressive at the point of contact, you know, you see him try to attack at the ball. You see, as soon as guys do catch the ball, he's grabbing them up. So, um, yeah, man, I, I mean, you know, obviously that move from great to elite, I think even can come with just time, man. Like, you know, I, I think of me as a freshman in college football compared to what I am now and, you know, and how I've seen my game grow. I can only imagine what he sees for himself and, and you know, continue to work hard like he probably has what, what could be, so. Yeah, man, he's a dog. Shoot, I um, yeah, he he he's a he's a heck of a player, man. As everybody knows, we are talking to Wisconsin sophomore cornerback Al Ashford. Last question for me, Al: Is there a particular player in the NFL right now that you have watched this past year and your game and what you're trying to build your game around that you can predict that people are going to see this year in 2023 that you're going to play like? Mm. That's a good question, man. Um, to be honest with you, I think there's a there's actually a couple a couple players that I could kind of say parts of their game that I really think that will be shown during my game. I can't really pick one pick uh, player particular mm-hmm. just because I feel like I'm a little different, man. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, to me, you know, I love uh, I love the way that uh, Jalen Ramsey was uh, attacking players at the line this year. He was pressing dudes. You see him making tackles. He was getting sacks. Um, and I definitely think people are going to see that side of my game, you know, that aggressive side. But also, you know, I, um, I'm i going to try to definitely incorporate some of the great, you know, safety play I've seen this year out of guys like Derwin James when it comes to 
block destruction, you know, when it comes to the way I'm attacking uh, receivers and tight ends that come up to block me or at, or at the point of contact, tackling, and um, shoot, man. And then when it comes to playing the ball in the air, I'm trying to play that thing like Asante Samuels. You feel <laughs> me? That three picks in one, in one half is, is kind of crazy. Yeah, he fell apart at in the second half. Yeah, he did. But shoot, man, that I was impressed, man. I was impressed. Oh, wow. Chargers doing it in classic Chargers fashion. Don't worry, Al. Now, Good thing we're not is, Chargers though, man, fans. I don't know. It's, 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 for some guys, it's really easy to just sit there and jump routes. For me, man, it's it's, it's a little harder. You know, I'm a guy that I, I always love to play technically sound. And, uh, you know, guys like that who can play technically sound and jump routes, a guy like Asante Samuel who – can, can do stuff like that. I just only aspire to be more Stop. like Stop. You're man. better than Asante Samuel. Stop it. <laughs> Don't worry. As long as you're not drafted by the Stop. Chargers, you, you'll be able to grow even more. I understand who is. by the least clutch team in football. I understand how, how good his father was, and, and I liked Asante Samuel Jr. I, I think he was – he the where he was drafted and, and where he fell to the Chargers, I think he, he's a good player. But I, I, I think he's – a little overrated. I, that game that he had against the Chargers, I mean, against the uh, the Jaguars, was a good first half. And then he completely disappeared in the second half. And that, I, I don't want to hear about the coaching because, listen, if you're a shutdown corner, you don't let any of those wide receivers get open like they did in that game. Kirk should never have been open in the second half of that game the way he was. And that has a lot to do yeah, with something. Yeah, that route he had against yeah. James yeah. the Yeah. A thing of beauty. I mean, you, you're if you if you want to be considered a shutdown corner or an elite corner like a a Stingley Sting, Stingley proved to me this year, even on the Texans, on a crappy team like the Texans, why the Texans decided to pick him over Sauce, even though Sauce is a way better player than Stingley. Stingley had a great season; he just wasn't better than Sauce. So I, I I just when you look at some of these corners that have been drafted and 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 the NFL is trying to transition that. That technical end of, you know, over the years where these guys, like Darrell Rivas, he liked to, at a point of attack, he wanted to hit you at the line of scrimmage before you got, you know, you, you had your route, you know, run where you can run your route. Now you have these corners that can do that, then stick with you like glue, and they're so long, and they have the ability to jump the way they do, like you do, where you can just intercept the ball, you know, at any point. So... I think the game has tra- really changed, and I think the corners have to be better, have to be faster, have hey, to be. A, I got a question for mm-hmm. you, man. Hit why, me. Hey, why don't you think anyone's putting respect on Damon Pierce, man? I have Damon no idea. Damon Pierce is nice. Mm-hmm. I've been I've been watching a lot of tape. Damon Pierce did his thing this year, man. No question, and and that's and you know what with the NFL and like I said, we we can go and look at all the in the last two years there have been some really good corners that were drafted and 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 when we when you talk about the past, the Petersons, the Revis, the Haydens, all these guys that really dominated the league, and now you have the new transition of guys like uh, you know uh, Fitzpatrick and, and all these other guys. So uh, these guys are transitioning the game. The safety play. You have corners turning into safeties. Ooh, I love that. Uh, I love that Broncos secondary this year. Oh, man. The, yeah. the Broncos uh, secondary yeah. was certain. To me, Pat Sertain is, yeah. is to me the best corner in the league, if not if not number two behind Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, I, I mean, this year uh, you can you can argue the points. The two two big and then Sauce. I mean, there's so many guys. I can't even put a number one. But well, if I had a top three of guys yeah. that stood out to me this year, mm-hmm. them three, man. Well, the the two corners that made it, you know, made it to the All Pro team was Sauce and Sertain. 
So those were the two best corners this year as far as what the NFL looks at numbers, percentages, and, and PFTs or whatever the hell they – the PFFs or whatever they, they look at. I mean, those guys were the dominant four, but there's so many good young corners in the NFL. And some of these guys are not – Woolen, did you see what he did this year? He was a sixth-round draft pick yeah, from he's Seattle. Lanky, man. Yeah, he's linky. He, uh, he's fast. He can jump, man. I've seen him. I seen this one play he had. I can't remember who he was guarding, but he was uh he was fully beat. He was in trail, man, and he had like guy had five yards of separation on him. And the dude just put his head down and kept running, and then turned at the last second, played the guy's hands, knocked the ball out of mm. his hands, man. Yeah, I think it was against Great the play. Niners. I think it was Juwan Jennings. I think it was. Yeah, man. Like I, I don't know. I love those effort plays, man. When I see stuff like that, that stands out to me, and I remember guys from stuff like that. You know, having that effort and playing with that swag, man. There's been a lot of great uh, DB play this year, man. I, me, uh, one of the best things I love, or one of my favorite things to do, is uh, there's these NFL little highlight tapes where they'll mm-hmm. put just wide receiver and DB play for each week, one-on-ones, and it'll just show kind of reps, and it'll be like 15 minutes. I'll sit there and watch that and just maybe watch how D-Hop releases all, like 18 times mm-hmm. or watch, you know, uh, Devonte Adams and look at his slide release and how he's all pretty with his feet, man, and, and see if I how I was strapped, it, you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. I sit there and do that all day, man. And that's that's why I think you know watching the corner play and how precise that you have to be, and and really you have to run routes like the wide receivers. You have to keep up with the route, the wide receivers, and and a lot of these th- these defenses are run man to man now. If you watch. The NFL. I know a lot of coaches that like the Jets and, and Robert Sal. He likes to run zone. Zone doesn't work when you when you play against dominant wide receivers, guys that can go out there and you have to double team. And and Robert Sala had a lot of problems in the second half stopping some of these these good wide receivers, these fast wide receivers. So you have to learn how to play man to man. You have to be a dominant force and and shut down one side of the field. And you need that one guy. So. I think every team needs that guy. There's just not many – there are not many corners. As good as these corners that we speak about, there are not many shut-down corners in the NFL. I would say there's about five of them that I could say, I'm going to put him on. I'm going to put him on there. He's going to shut down the whole left side. He, I got there, you. There's not many of those guys. And in and, and, mm-hmm. and the development, like you said, Patrick Sertain, he's fantastic. Sauce Garner, another one, fantastic. I, I mean, you could go up, and, and those are just two guys. But there are even DJ Reed. Did you see what DJ Reed did with the Jets this year on the other side? Mm-hmm. I mean, he was as good, or just as good as Sauce Garner was. But Sauce was looked at because he was he was a rookie, and you've heard what Sauce said. I mean, DJ Reed's, you know, his growth as a player really transitioned because of what DJ Reed was teaching him on the field. So you mm-hmm. need those type of players. Um, before we let you go, man, I got one good question for you. You ready to hear yes, this? Sir. Talk to me. All right. And here's my question. You look at the – you're going into this season, and the Wisconsin Badgers, they're, they have a new coaching staff, new everything. Where do you see this Badger team this year in the NCAA? Sure, man. I'm always going to have high expectations for us, man, especially since I'm playing. You know, that's <laughs> out there. Like, we – you know, so, shoot, man, um, I know one thing's for certain. I, I want to win a Big Ten championship, man. I hated uh, getting close, you know, last two years. And then, you know, we're we losing a game right before, you know, we about to make it to the Big Ten chip or putting it in somebody else's hands. Like, somebody else has to lose for us to get in. Man, I hate that, man. I just want to get to that game because I know if we get there, 
and we, we can win, man. Like, just – so once we get that, man, I, I don't know. I see us having some real good games, you know, having, like, a real good record, man. Just – it's going to be fun. I, I, I like the schedule. I feel like, you know, we have a lot of uh, good teams we're playing against, but also, you know, um, when we're playing against them, I feel like it's, it's spaced out pretty well. Like, you know, it's it's not going to be like we're on the road, you know, so many weeks in a row and stuff like that. Like, we get a good mix of home and away games. So, I feel like they set us up for some success this year, man. Because yeah. I get on the road stuff, man, it'll get to you. You know, <laughs> get on the road over it. Shoot, man. I, I, it's different than high school ball. You know, it's, it's easy to go to sleep in your bed, get up, and have that same routine. And then when you're kind of forced out of that routine, and now it's like, you know, I'm in the hotel room. I got a roommate now next to me. I oh, got you got those fancy shades. You don't need no roommate, man. You got those shades. <laughs> Shoot, man. I wish I was. I wish I was. Uh, you know, able to just go say that to coaches. I, I, I ain't that type of. <laughs> uh, how's the Wisconsin girls over there, man? <laughs> Shoot, man. I, I couldn't tell you, man. You know, I, I recently got a new car, man. I got a new vehicle. I was Ooh. blessed to get uh Got a Land Rover, man. Real excited about that. Look at you, man. Um, man, I've been decking my car out, man. I can't I'm sure you are. What? Been, been filling my car, uh, decking out my apartment, man. Just, I got the, I got that new Xbox. I've been, I've been on the game. And then they, I recently, um, they finally cleared me to start kind of getting back into boxing again, and which was one of my loves as a kid. Well, so, be careful, man. Know, we don't want you to get injured. Oh anymore, no, no, no. Man. I'm not sparring or nothing. I'm just kind of doing a little bit of the bag work. Stuff like that, keeping on, my man. hands fresh, and it's and it's helping me with conditioning, man. So. I can help you with that. Yeah, you, we'll do video zoom, man. Stay away from the gym. I don't want you getting uh, hurt anymore. Uh, Errol's gonna come up if you hear an eight degree weather. <laughs> He's been waiting for it all year, <laughs> dude. I don't understand it. We're here in Long Island, and it, we're in the middle of the winter. It's all you're, it, it was Groundhog Day today, and mm-hmm. we've had one day that was in the teens. One every other like this past week. Last week we had a fifty. It was fifty degrees. It was fifty-five degrees in the winter time. In the middle of the winter, it is. It, it to me, this global warming is killing us, man. It's killing us. People don't realize this is not good. So, I yeah, no, nah, it's, it's it's wild, man. I I don't know about all that stuff. I I don't really. I don't want to scare think, you, okay? I don't want you to nah, be scared. No, nah, no, I feel you, man. Shoot, they uh they've been teaching us a little bit of stuff up here. I've had some classes talking about, you know, environmental um. Just, just sciences and like everything that's kind of going on. And and the one thing I can say is, man, uh, I feel like I've been blessed to live in some places where I, I'm not so affected. I feel like, mm. you know, so, mm-hmm. um, shoot, they do tell us though, like, you know, the uh, the lake pollution is the thing they're really worried about here up here in Wisconsin. Yeah. So I'll be feeling for that, man, especially because I see how some people really enjoy the lakes and uh, you know, in the summertime, how popping it is. I'll hate for. People to miss out on on their fun for that just because of some pollution stuff. So you know. Well, we love you, man, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna get you on again when the season starts. I want to see how your legs are doing, your hips doing, babe, baby. I almost said babe, baby. <laughs> so I, I will I will say this. I I know what you were feeling when you had your hip surgery, and I know what it takes to get that hip back. You know, you're younger than I am, so. Your body is in a position where it can heal faster. My body, man, it, it took forever to get it, and I'm still not at 100%. So it, it, it sucks. It really does. But I, I'm happy that everything's going good for you, man, and keep up the good work. We'll get you on soon, and, uh, you know, just uh, fly your way, man, with the Land Rover. 
you know? <laughs> yes, sir. Y'all have a good one, man. Y'all you be too, man. Too. Keep up the good work, man. There you go. Our dude. Yeah. I, I, could, I said babe. I meant baby, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it just tells you how tired I am, man. It's, we're, at, we're at 11 o'clock right now. And uh, by the way, uh, that was Al Ashford, uh, Wisconsin sophomore cornerback. Tell Al we really appreciate him. <laughs> he was fan- He's awesome. Yes, he, he is. really is good, man. But uh, Fourth time we've had him on the show, and now he's breaking out the shades. Breaking out the shades, and finally he's going to get a chance to go out there and do what he does best. Yeah, he really – I'd love to see him play a full season. Oh. He, definitely, he definitely has got the length. He's got the talent to be able to make it. I love that guy, level. man. Yeah. I do. Who do we have? And Jeff's calling back. What's up, Jeff? What a good interview with Al Ashford. That was terrific. He was good, man. Yeah, he's an awesome guy. He's I, good. He's we good always guy. loved him having on the show. One thing really stood out to me about that interview, though. Uh-uh. Did you notice when you asked him what the goal was, he said to win a Big Ten championship? Mm-hmm. Even players in the Big Ten know they can't take down the SEC. They know. <laughs> that's their whole season. It's all Our goal is the Big Ten championship, and if we do that, that's fine. Because the South dominates. Mm. Well, also, it's the discrepancy of the, the East and the West, too. I don't know where the last time the West has won in the Big Ten championship as a whole, either. So, if he can Wisconsin be- got a re- Wisconsin got a real shot, though. They got a, uh, they finally got a quarterback. Yeah, they, they do. Around with that, those idiot Long Island kids, Jack Cohn. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and, and, by the way, I knew he was playing for Notre Dame, okay? I, he actually, he was in the same class as Jack Cohn. So... I wanted to see if he had an opportunity to have, you know, have a conversation with him because he didn't really play that long with uh, Wisconsin. Then he portaled over there to Notre Dame. So, um, and I don't even think I don't even think he's playing for Notre Dame anymore. No, I think he's what out of eligibility per- now. He's at X- XFL now. I know it's spelled differently, but what a perfect name for that kid, Cone, because that's what he is. I would rather have a traffic cone at quarterback <laughs> than Jack Cone. <laughs> Poor kid. <laughs> you always rip it on people, man. <laughs> You're just not a nice person. Have you seen him? He can't throw. He's got a worse arm than anyone I've ever seen play college football. <laughs> can't complete a pass. And he can't complete a pass to save his life. <laughs> Jeff, you, you – I, I I think you just don't like him because he's from Long Island. He's from New York. <laughs> no, no, that's not just even. Imagine it. if he was a Michigan quarterback. <laughs> that's not even it. Jack Cohn isn't even going to play this year. How's that for you? Well, I, I don't even think he's eligible anymore. I think he's in no. The, he played five years already. He's, yeah, he's, I think he's now going to. He, I think he's put himself into the XFL. That's what I'm reading over here. Right. That that's the that's the dream of every college football player. When I get out of college, not the NFL, the dream, work for The Rock. <laughs> like, that's how you know he's not going to be any good. He's not even going to be taken in the XFL. Dude stinks. I don't know if the XFL is ever going to last. I mean, The Rock took over. The XFL. I, I mean, the CFL is doing very, very well in Canada. It, it's been that's doing an well. established league. I know. It's not a pipeline to. I got it. To, I got it. Yeah. yeah. None of these other leagues are going to work. They're all terrible. Mm. I They're would, all terrible. I would agree with but you. But I'm rooting for Ben. I'm rooting for Ben. Let's go Wisconsin. I'd like to see Wisconsin take down the Big Ten title. It would be so lovely to watch Ben be able to rub it 
in Carl's face. <laughs> that would be great. Well, they're do- he's doing it right now. <laughs> Is he? Yes. You got to go on the feed. It's pretty funny, actually. <laughs> no, Jeff's J- J- been commenting throughout the feed, too. He's, he's, he's seen a lot of these uh, Wisconsin, Michigan uh, trash talk, allegedly. It is pretty funny, actually. Yeah, Michigan could be good, man. They just got to find a way to get the passing game going. They're just too one-dimensional. Mm. Yeah, if only, they, if only they could get their own Mordecai. Yeah, well, maybe uh, – I don't know. Which one stuck around? Was it McCarthy or McNamara? I think it was McCarthy, right? McCarthy, McCarthy was the one last, se- well, last season. Uh, yeah. And McNamara, yeah. I think, was like the backup forever. And, yeah, they, they yeah, tried to – transfer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I know that now, but – I, it, it, he was the one that was there forever as the backup, and then finally started randomly last year. And now, yeah, McCarthy started this year and had his moments, but yeah, definitely not the way you would want to go with going forward. I'm, I'm just wondering if I should jump off the Georgia bandwagon this upcoming season. They got an easy schedule. I don't know if I can stick with Georgia this year. No, I think Georgia's... Is it too good to be true, Jeff? You're saying it, the schedule's too easy, they don't have enough challenges? <laughs> No, I actually, I, I'm actually thinking of jumping to the Tennessee bandwagon. Yeah, that could be. They had a nice progress do, year. They just like fell Nico. apart towards the end of the year. I do I, I've like been, Nico. I've been, re- I've been reading that their their quarterback's going to the draft this year, and I, before he got hurt, I think he had 27 touchdowns and two interceptions. No, that was uh, that's what we were talking about about a, m- a month ago when yeah. we were talking about the. They he- said that he could Heisman. They, they say that he could still be a first round draft pick this year. Uh, coming no. back from the injury. That's what they're saying. I've been reading a lot of crazy things about this kid and that there's no doubt in their mind that he might be a late first-round draft pick, but he could be absolutely drafted in the first round. That's what they're saying. So we'll see. I, I, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying any of the hype. Pending hooker stinks. Nico, he's the wave of the future. The wave of the future, Nico. There you go. And it would be nice to torture Carl with a new team. So, like, I'm kind of rooting for Tennessee to hope they get in there, and then they, and then you know, Josh Heupel stuffs Michigan. Of course, <laughs> of course, anything to hurt somebody. This is guy from the Elmer Fudd situation to. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not the one bringing it up. I'm all right, all right. I brought it up. I shouldn't have brought it up, but Carl, I wasn't. I wasn't downplaying McCarthy in comparison to the other Michigan quarterbacks, I would say they still need a more consistent passing attack. McCarthy did well considering the circumstances, but I don't, again, is, is he really going to develop into that elite prospect you would want as a quarterback to take it to that next level? Because if they can win it in the, in the Big Ten with everything else they have and just get the quarterback to at least uh, that good standard, they could definitely go places if they can keep everything else, though. I mean, is it, is it relatively remarkable that as good of an NFL quarterback as Jim Harbaugh was, and he was pretty good, he's equally as horrible at developing college quarterbacks. I'm still horrible. surprised that he couldn't get Shea Patterson going. <laughs> he was looking really good at Ole Miss. And, and you're, you're right. right. You're right, Jeff. But look at the running backs that have come out of, uh, obviously, Michigan. A lot of good running backs. Yeah, he has. Of, but, that's yeah. All, but that's all he does. That's all he does is run the football, and it's to the detriment of the football team mm. because you, you've seen it now in every big game. When they've had to pass the football, they stink. Mm. Right? If their passing game wasn't terrible, they'd probably beat TCU. But instead, they threw two pick sixes. Mm. Thanks for coming. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I, I think 
the college game has changed. I, obviously, Jim Harbaugh going to college uh, from the NFL and from San Francisco and going to college, everybody thought he was going to bring the NFL game. And he's transitioned his way of um, teaching football to college football. He, I thought he was going to bring the NFL game. A lot of coaches do that. And, and Chip Kelly tried to bring the NCAA game, the college game, to the NFL. It didn't work. Right. It, it usually doesn't. Jim, I thought Jim was going to take the NFL game to college, which has I've seen it work before, and he instead he changed his game, his 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 way of playing the game to a college game, and I think that's affected Jim Harbaugh. I really has, I really have seen that. Even though his team in the back to back years have gone into the Final Four, I still think Jim Harbaugh needs to transition the way he coaches back to the way he coached in the NFL. Well, you have to remember, too, the 2014 49ers fallout was just really ugly all at once. And I think Jim but Harbaugh... But that's his stay. That's what he does. And Jim Harbaugh was successful as an NFL coach. Why did he change the way he coaches to go to play co- to, to go to college football? I think that's why, that's why Michigan wanted to bring him in. Well, I think maybe well, I, what he well, was trying to work with college kids and not as much with the pros that are more seasoned and more used to that kind of thing. And that's why a lot of the players that they had trouble with in 2014 were veteran guys. Meanwhile, 2015, <clears throat> he had all these different recruiting tactics, very creative. He was hands-on with all the players, and he was having fun with them a lot of the time. And everybody embraced it with Michigan. And, again, it didn't win right away. He still had a lot of years. He's not winning. I mean, he hasn't won a national championship. He's been there, what, five, six years already? He hasn't won a national championship. He promised oh, a he national championship. Will. And no, he won't. He never will. Because if he if he just took his NFL style of game to college football, I think maybe he would have. Maybe he would have. I don't understand why he changed everything when he went to went to coach college football. Well, a lot of yeah, but a lot of that's dictated by personnel. Though, I understand. Right? I understand. You're that, turning yeah. over the team and when he took over that team, Running the ball was the only way to make them fairly competitive. It's just it feels like he's forgotten about the passing game. Mm-hmm. Even what he did with Colin Kaepernick, if everybody remembers, Colin Kaepernick was a running quarterback transitioned into a running throwing quarterback. Now he went to and Colin Kaepernick, his game was built for college football. If you guys remember, when Russell Wilson and Colin Kaepernick came into the league, everybody was like, this won't work in the NFL. Now it's transitioned to that game because of Aaron Rodgers. And now you look at Jim Harbaugh going into college football, you would think that he would bring in one of these mobile quarterbacks that are very, very fast, the Lamar Jacksons or, or, or maybe a Richardson or one of these guys that you can bring in that will run your offense the way you like to run your offense in pro football. I don't understand why when he's recruiting quarterbacks that he doesn't bring in a quarterback like that. He was successful when he did that. When he had Alex Smith, another mobile quarterback that liked to throw the ball on the run, it worked. In his offense, why all of a sudden? But it's not that easy. But it's not that easy though, because you're saying, "Oh, he should just bring in a quarterback." But the problem is, kids have a choice, and they're choosing to go to schools like the level he's on. He he's in the running for five star recruits, right? Like he's in in line for the big dudes. But all the big dudes are choosing to go to schools. That have a Alabama, Georgia, got it. No, no, just a better track record of of getting to the NFL. That just happens to also be the USC's, the Alabamas, the Georgias, like places like that. Michigan, right? Oklahoma, Michigan isn't putting people in the NFL at the. They're putting a lot of people in the NFL in other positions, not at quarterback. 
I understand and that. If, and if you're a quarterback that wants to show off what you can do, handing the ball off 60 times a game isn't exactly good. Yeah, but if that. he has a quarterback that can run his offense and do the things that he likes to do, he would throw the ball more. And and he trusts the quarterback more. I, I just don't. When I watched Mich- Michigan this year, I look at the limber type of quarterbacks that he brought in over the last couple of years. These aren't the type of quarterbacks that he would bring in if he was coaching an NFL team. The problem is their passing game should be so much better than it is because their running game is so successful. I got it, yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that it should be easy to pass. Mm-hmm. Little play action, bootleg, throw the football because their running game is dominant. They got a great running game. Mm-hmm. It just shows you how bad their quarterbacks are and how horrible Jim Harbaugh is as a football coach. That's I why it took me a while to get really. I buy disagree. Into I don't think Jim Harbaugh's a terrible football. I think he's a terrible college football coach. I think he's a good NFL football coach. And if he comes back to the NFL, a, a team will absolutely open their, their their welcome arms when he comes to their their facilities because I think the guy could coach in the NFL. I just. I don't. I understand he wants to bring the Michigan Wolverines a championship, a national title, but it just—they don't have the quarterback play that's going to get them there. Even TCU this year, TCU had a competent quarterback. Why did they make the national championship? There were a lot of reasons why they made. They were they were a good run. They're a good run squad. They have a coach that likes no, to spread. They, they made the national championship because the Michigan quarterback kept throwing interceptions. That and they 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 had a lot of wide receivers. They spread. They used to spread offense, a college style of game, and it worked. They had one wide receiver, one. That's no, all I, I had. Yeah, one. but I yeah one star wide receiver. I'm talking when he when they ran their offense, they spread out their offense. They had four wide receivers. You know, they, they used the the running backs as wide receivers in in certain games. That's what he spread out the offense. And 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 that's the problem with Jim Harbaugh. You don't change what works for you. And I say that about coaches. It doesn't matter where you go. What you do. Bill O'Brien, he went to Alabama. Did he change the way he ran his offense? He didn't. He ran his offense. And that's what you – why would you change your offense when you go to college football? It doesn't work. It doesn't. But again – Try to change again, who you it's are. Easy to, but it's easy not to change your offense if you're Bill O'Brien because all of those kids are five-star kids. Bryce Young was the number two quarterback. Michigan's not getting the number two quarterback in any class. I, I got you, Jeff. I, I understand. It just – it throws me off on why you would do that. You 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 – you built your name and, and the way you coach. Even when you went to Stanford, you ran the same offense in Stanford as you ran in the NFL. You go to Michigan and you change your complete offense. It doesn't no, make sense. Super, no, he was super run heavy at Stanford with Tyler Gaffney. Yeah, but he threw the ball and, a and lot. He, he threw the ball a lot. And he, I forgot yes. about Bryce Love. Yeah, he was really good. Yeah, but he threw it. Yes. Bryce Love was terrific. Yes. So was Tyler Gaffney. Yes, but he, he had a quarterback that could run outside of the pocket, Andrew Luck, and throw. And he threw the ball. Just Andrew Luck, I think his final year threw almost, uh, what was it, 3,800 yards, 3,900 yards of college football. I, I mean, before he was the number one pick of the draft. He he ran his offense when he went to San Francisco from Stanford. Well, then, he goes to Michigan well, and he changes it up. It doesn't make sense. We have we have what what's his name again on the show? The Carl, the the broadcaster, um, um, ex NFL player. What Carl? What Carl Jensen. Reed? Carl Reed, you're talking no, about? No, not Carl the, Reed. For college football. No, no Carl Jensen. Reed. The yeah, Jansen. Oh, John Jansen. Yeah, right, J- yeah, we had Jensen on the show. You're welcome. And, yeah, thank you, Jeff. Because <laughs> my, my producer, Michigan, my, my producer, my producer doesn't oh, remember no, names. I definitely know all the Michigan people because they're all lunatics. My producer doesn't know the names, but whatever. I, but Jensen has been on the show, and he, he even said it. 
on the show, I remember him saying it. He said that when Harbaugh came to the Wolverines, he changed the way he coached. And it doesn't work. Go ask Pat Riley. Did, and I know this is basketball. Did Pat Riley change when he went when he went from uh, the L.A. Lakers or when when he went from college basketball to the L.A. Lakers and then the Knicks and then Miami? He didn't. He he ran his offense. Phil Jackson. Did he ever? Did he ever take? You know, I don't. I don't want to run the triangle offense anymore. When I went this. When I went from the Chicago Bulls to the L.A. Lakers, he ran his offense. When you're a good coach. And you, you're you're a successful coach. Why would you think to trade the to change the way you coach? It doesn't make sense. Well, well but a lot of it's personnel, and I, I would have two theories on why they can't get the personnel. You know, one one theory would be it's Michigan. It's cold. Why would you want to go play in the snow? And there's pretty girls at LSU and Alabama <laughs> and Mississippi and those like warmer places. Or the other theory, and the one I more subscribe to, is that Michigan's just a dog shit school that no one wants to go to. <laughs> Andrew Lux, last year, 2010, with Jim Harbaugh, 32 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, through 3,380 passing yards, 70.7 completion percentage. I, exactly. And, and then he went to the NFL after that. He took over for San Francisco. And he ran that same off- offense in Stanford that worked over there. And he had Alex Smith. And then he tra- transitioned into Colin Kaepernick. And then he decides, obviously, as the San Francisco 49ers uh, lost Patrick Willis. He retired. Bowling retired. All these guys retired and left. He decided to pick up and go to the Wolverines and then change everything around. And I, again, Jeff, you're absolutely right. All those different things that you said, I understand that. But as a coach, as a successful coach that has worked in so many different levels, why would you decide to change it? it? It doesn't make sense. And if I sat down with Jim Harbaugh and the guy, he could be nasty sometimes, I would ask him that. I've watched you coach in Stanford. I watched you coach in San Francisco. It was successful. You went to the Super Bowl, and you almost won the Super Bowl. You went one play away with Colin Kaepernick to win the Super Bowl. And then you say, you know what? I'm going to the Michigan Wolverines, my alma mater, my, 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 uh, my former school, and then decide. Go ahead, say alma mater. Uh, alma mater. Alma mater. I, I just said it. <laughs> um, I decided to go to my former school. And, and try to win a championship, the same school that my father coached at. And, and you know what? He hasn't done it. And that, because he couldn't, he couldn't do the right thing for that, that, that particular school because he's trying to change the wheel. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work in college football. It doesn't. I think he should have brought the NFL style of football to Michigan, and maybe he would have won the national championship. I think he should I mean, have won the national championship last year. I mean, I just think it's personnel-based. All his best players have been running backs, and he's just putting the ball in the hands of his best players. Mm. Uh, Keith says uh, it is a running conference. Uh, Carl said, meanwhile, not one touchdown in the East-West Shrine game. It's a, it's, a running, it's a running conference? It's a running conference. Terrific. Who's owned that conference for the last decade? Who's owned the conference for the last decade? Ohio State. Right. You think Ohio State's running the football? They've put a thousand quarterbacks in the league because they spread it out and they toss it around the, the park. That it's not a running conference. Really good too, it's a pa- yeah. Right. It's a passing conference. Uh, maybe the you. dogs. Maybe the dog shit schools only run the football, like the Northwesterns and the Iowas. Mm-hmm. The successful teams they throw the football. Keith also says he's too much of a control freak. I don't think he'll ever win a Super Bowl. And Harbaugh sucks. I disagree. Oh, see, now I have to like Keith. He agrees. Harbaugh sucks. I disagree. I think Harbaugh's a good coach. 
And I think I think when he comes back to the NFL, he'll win a championship. I do. If I he think. was all that good of a coach, why can't he get a passing? Dude, uh, not to beat a dead horse here, but when they had to throw against Georgia, could they throw against Georgia? No. No. That's the no. That's a terrible team. When they had to throw against TCU, could they? Yeah, they had some success, but the kid was also throwing a ton of interceptions. Well, they laid up a lousy goose egg in that TCU game because they were a better team than TCU. And they just, in the first half, for whatever whatever reason, the mistakes that their quarterback made in the first half was absolutely horrendous. Some of the play calls, too, were just It was absolutely horrendous. Makes you get so much self-inflicted stuff in that And their defense, an elite defense, one of the best defenses in the country. What the heck were they doing in the second quarter? I, I, it was like they were playing Olay. They were, TCU was a bull, and they were just like the guy holding up the the red sheets. Go ahead, there it is. Come and get it. You know, it just yeah. I mean, I, I don't. I think that you're really not giving enough credit to what was a really good TCU team this year. TCU. I'm not one, one stopping. I am not taking shots at TCU. They deserve to be where they were. Actually, it would have been a better game, Michigan and Georgia. I, I know Georgia would have still romped them, but it would have been a better game, a more interesting game. That game against TCU was just a joke. I mean... I mean, it would have been better for me personally. I know, because you would have <laughs> laughed and you attacked call. You would have, you, I understand. You, you would have had eight different comments. Georgia scored again. I mean, Georgia was just a wagon. I'm surprised you didn't do more after that game. I'm surprised you didn't do more TCU scored again. Against no, no, because here's, no, here's the thing. I actually really like Carl. He's a good person. He's a good human. And I, I feel a little guilty sometimes bashing Michigan, but it's, it's the truth what I'm saying. They just can't throw the football. No, they can't. And that has a lot to do with Jim Harbaugh deciding to change the way he coaches going from the NFL to the NCAA. I don't understand it. I, I don't understand it. And and that, that would be my attack to Jim if I was sitting here right now. I'd be like, you ran this offense for years from Stanford to the NFL, and you decide to change it all around when you went to Michigan. For what reason? What? What was it? You coached in Stanford. Okay, Wolver- the Wolverines are a more known collegiate college football school. How co- how come you decide when you go to your 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 former school, your father's father school, where you decided, hey, you know what? I'm just going to change it all up. It doesn't make sense, and I, that is why I think Jim Harbaugh's an idiot. It doesn't make sense. Why would you change something what has worked everywhere you've gone? That's all I'm saying. He's dog shit. I guess so. If that's what you want. I mean, that's. I, I mean, at the end of the day, that's what it is. Like he's just an idiot. Like you, you got to get because here's the other thing. They they also don't throw the ball because they don't have any wide receivers. No, they don't. Their best, that's their another best thing. wide receiver last year ended up being their best defensive player this year. Mm. It's in Mike Sammer still. Yes. They don't really have. They don't really. They have running backs, and then they have. Dude, I'll tell you what. I really like that Olo and Timmy kid that plays offensive line at Michigan too. He's awesome. But that's all they have is offensive line and a running back, mm. and they have no other skill position. Yeah, I got. Yeah, I mean, they're kind. They're kind of stuck. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're a slightly better version of what Iowa was. Can you imagine? How good Iowa would have been if Spencer Petrus wasn't dog shit? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was a bad experience for them. Their their defense allowed like 
10 points a game. Yeah, they were, I think, the number two ranked defense that year in all of college football. It was unbelievable. And Spencer Petrus is just the biggest bag of dog shit. <laughs> no, and that's how they lost. Favorite word. Like, if they, like, if they actually had a competent person able to throw the football, Michigan would have been the second best team. Iowa would have been the best team. Mm. <laughs> Carl says that now Iowa ironically has Cade McNamara. Mm. Oh, yeah. that's <laughs> Iowa-Michigan transfer portal of... Dude, I don't... I don't Cade McNamara is going to be a star in Iowa because anyone... Anyone on Speedy, you are better than Spencer Petrus. <laughs> wow. I don't know if I would go that far, but okay. <laughs> my my homeboy Fudd could throw it better than Spencer <laughs> Petrus. <laughs> Anyone better. Dude, when your team is only allowing 10 points a game and all you can do is kick one field goal a game, dude, they scored. Did they. The opening game, did they beat South Dakota 6 to 3? Yeah, it was something like that. I remember that game. They almost lost that one right at the you're end, playing, I think it was. You're playing South Dakota, and you muster two field goals? And mm. I, I, What was it? Uh, what was it? 2017, they, they, I think they lost to North Dakota State. I, I know they're an FCS powerhouse, but still, it's an FCS team. Yeah, and, and look, South Dakota was, was uh, uh, F, FCS champions this year, so okay. they were still a good team. But like, yeah, still, come like, on, yeah, really, points. right? <laughs> you know, but their defense was dominant. Yep, dominant. McNamara's going to K. McNamara's going to be a force in in Iowa. Carl says Iowa's offense football back twenty years. Jack Harbaugh coached at Michigan. They had three games where they only had field goals. I guess refer to Iowa this year. Yeah, that's pretty bad. But think about this: now that they have Cade McNamara, they actually could be because you can't get more inept than Spencer Petrus. And if their defense still kind of holds up, they're going to be a contender. There's a lot of schools that are going to be t- contenders this year, but again, uh, they really are. There, there's. They have to go through Georgia, and Georgia, with their schedule, like you guys said, uh, they're going to be a Final Four team. Alabama will be good this year, too. They had a very good recruiting class. and uh, There's only, like, six schools that legitimately of have course. a chance to win. And I think like Oklahoma, I think Oklahoma I mean, uh, not Oklahoma, USC, USC, is going to have another chance to, to make it to Hell that Final no. Four. I think they will. Hell no. Mm-hmm. Hell no. Okay. Hell no. They're they're the, the, they have to learn how to tackle. Dude, they're the polar opposite of Iowa. They're all offense and no dude, they just got body bagged by Tulane. Yes, they did. Dude, USC was up and, and I'm gonna tell you this because I bet on the game and I can tell you. <laughs> USC was up fifteen points with three minutes left and they lost. They allowed two touchdowns and a safety in three minutes. Wow. I understand that. And they're they're more uh, Lincoln Riley's known for his uh, obviously his offense, not his defense. But uh, they have a superstar quarterback that's probably going to be the number one pick next year. So yeah, he's ter- he's terrific. But just when you think USC, just think Oklahoma and all the years in Oklahoma, they would score a lot of points. And then when they would play a good team, they get steamrolled. <laughs> they got to hope for the transfer portal to get any level of defense because they brought back the same defensive coordinator and Alex Grinch. Good luck. I like that last name. <laughs> Yeah, he's the Grinch who stole good defense. <laughs> like, I like to shit on Michigan because it's easy and it's fun, right? Like, that is what it is. But truth be told, those two semifinal games were the best two semifinal games we've seen in 
10 years, probably. Mm. Yeah, they were. Right? Yeah. Right? Like, any time a Lincoln Riley school was in the semifinal, they got, dude, Baker Mayfield was 54 done 21 blowouts. Yeah. Yeah, he was done by halftime. Kyle yeah. Murray, right, the only one was close that was the one Oklahoma-Georgia one that went to overtime. That was the only one that was close in 2017. And since then, all just that's the one position. Blowouts. That's the one position that really stands out for Lincoln Riley. He's a lot of quarterbacks make it to the NFL. Most notably, Oklahoma quarterback Jalen Hurts. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> Oklahoma. <laughs> He's so stupid. He's such a dope. You really are. Carl says, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, Final Four. Sure. <laughs> Uh, t- don't sleep on Tennessee. Nico is coming. Nico is coming. Mm. Nico. Okay. Jeff. Dude, you're gonna, dude you, you wait till you see this kid. Mm. He's gonna th- all he's going to do is throw screen passes and run around like a mean. It's going to be wild, especially with a Josh Heifel offense. Mm. It's going to be wild. And they're going to body bag Alabama again. It's going to be great. <laughs> His favorite. Banana, I haven't heard Banana Land yet. No, he hasn't used that in years. I haven't heard Banana no, Land. There hasn't been anything crazy. No. <laughs> when things get really crazy, it's Banana Land. <laughs> That's one of the best. We haven't, we haven't seen something too crazy, right? Nothing too crazy. I mean, Cowboys losing—that's expected. That's not. That's like that's that's that's. I knew his next shot was either going to be at the Cowboys or Alabama. I just wasn't sure which one. Like like that's the opposite of Banana Land. That's routine. (laughs) Thank you, Jeff. Right on time is what that was for Mister Fudd. (laughs) Thank you, Jeff. Uh, Jeff from Tampa. (laughs) Mister Fudd. So stupid. He's such a dope. He really is. I I will say this. Mike called the show. He actually called me after the show last night. I didn't answer it, and he called me all day today. And I knew that he wanted to speak to me about last night. And he just laid it on me last night. I was actually pumping my gas, and he was just screaming at me on the phone. He's like, you're my friend. How could you let... This guy, I said, Mike, he wasn't really speaking about you. He really wasn't. He was making fun of the Cowboys. He said, he can do whatever he wants with the Cowboys. I can't tell him to keep my name out of his mouth. <laughs> I said, okay, man. I, I love Mike. It just uh, Honestly, he takes things too much to the heart. You know, that's that's just what I say. I, I, I don't care what anybody says about me. I, I hate the name Earl, but these... SOBs love to no just Snug loves to do it because Miami Heat did it so I hate take that out that legacy it was one of it was one of the things as a kid I hated when people because they couldn't pronounce my name so they they call me Earl and remember that show um, what my name is Earl I I know the name I never saw it yeah on TBS I hated that show because every time I heard the name Earl it it, it just reminded me when I was a kid that nobody knew how to pronounce my name. So it, it just annoys the hell out of me when I hear the name Earl. That's just me. Carl says Banana Land would be if Nithin covered a top line sport or got a meaningful interview. <laughs> <laughs> I miss Nithin. I, I do. He came out. He came in for a little bit. He did. I saw him earlier in the show. So, uh, you know, Nithin is an interesting fellow. Why don't we get into it? The latest in NBA and NHL trade rumors. The NBA Raptors guard OG Ananobi. Uh, teams rumored to be interested, including uh, the Pacers, includes the Pacers, Knicks, Grizzlies, Pelicans, and Suns, Hawks, 
point power forward John Collins probably won't have to take a you probably won't have to uh the Hawks might not have to I don't know what you wrote over here Speedy but won't have to take a first round pick to trade for him on a 5 year 125 million dollar contract teams interested includes the Jazz Rockets Celtics Kings Pistons and Timberwolves Hawks forward um Bogdanovich uh, I got it uh, pretty much locked in to be traded. Um, half the league is very interested in him. Uh, he's a three-point shooter, a three-point specialist. A uh, team that I think would be very highly interested in him is the Lakers, who mm-hmm. like to spread out their offense with LeBron James. And bringing in Bogdanovich would absolutely help them. Rockets guard Eric. Uh, how about this? This will work for you. Uh, Rockets old man guard Eric Gordon. Uh, the Lakers, Bucks, Suns, and Knicks, uh, I do not want them, have expressed interest for $12.2 million contract hits this year, $20 million next year. Pacers guard Buddy Heald, who I really do like. Yeah, Lakers so. remain favorites for him, but the Knicks, Raptors, Suns are also interested in Heald. He makes $21.2 million this season, $19.3 million next season. Wizards forward Kyle Kuzma. Wizards say they are most likely not to trade him, but if they do, the Mavericks are the favorites of getting him, followed by the Suns and the Nets. How the hell are the Nets going to get him? I, I, just, who are they going to trade for him? They have no first-round draft picks. Does anybody remember that? They have yeah. nothing. So how are they going to get him? Uh, how are they favorites or one of the favorites of getting him? It doesn't make any sense. Hornets point guard Terry Rozier could spawn a bigger interest later in the, at the trade deadline. Only known teams rumored now are the Jazz uh, due to Danny Ainge connection and the Suns. Lakers say they might consider him as a piece of a potential deal for Russell Westbrook contract, which the Hornets would then buy out. Russell Westbrook is somebody the Lakers will try to move. Uh, but his $47.1 million cap hit will make it hard. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, probably the best point guard on the market. I think he's the best point guard. I, I As much as I love D'Angelo Russell, uh, the Knicks have Jalen Brunson. I, I don't want to No, there's after. no need for the Knicks to do it. No, <laughs> but I, 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 could you imagine him and Jalen Brunson? As, our, as your backcourt. That would be fun to watch. Teams interested in him. Suns, Mavericks, Heat, and Clippers. So there you guys go. LeBron James is now less um, less, less of a chance to be traded, obviously, because he has to break this record. Right. He wants to break it as a Laker. I think the Lakers want him to break it as a Laker. Um, trade deadline is, what, one week after the All-Star break? So. It's next week. So right. February 9th. So... Uh, I expect LeBron James, and he, I think he has 63 more points to pass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He had 26 points tonight, so interesting. Uh, he will be, by the time LeBron James retires, he is going to have all the records. Yeah. He will break every single record for anybody. And this is, and we're not going to get into this because we don't have the time for this. For anybody to think he's not the second greatest player to ever play the game, you're not. You're not sane, okay? This guy, and, and the game's completely changed. I mean, obviously, if LeBron James played in the 90s and the 80s and the 70s, he would have been thrown around, but he's built to play in that time. When you look at Charles Barkley and you look at Shaquille O'Neal, this man is built like a brick, okay? He would have been successful in the 90s, 
and the 80s as well as he is doing right now in the NBA. Right. Okay, for anybody to think that he wouldn't. Now, is he is he Michael Jordan? He'll never be Michael Jordan. Never. He could do he can have every single record. Nobody anybody that knows the game of basketball would never consider him Michael Jordan. But this what the the things that he is doing right now is otherworldly. He has been fantastic. And when, like I said, when all said and done, when LeBron James decides to hang up his sneakers, he will be looked at as the second greatest basketball player ever. Not Kobe Bryant, okay? For all you Kobe fans that think that Kobe was better than LeBron James, which Kobe didn't think he was better than LeBron James. Come on. Kobe never thought he was better than LeBron James. As a matter of fact, Kobe Bryant, if you guys never checked out the Redeem team, on uh, Netflix. Go check it out. Kobe Bryant, when he was brought to help to win the championship, to bring back the gold to America. Yeah, 2008. Yes. Kobe even said in that documentary that he wasn't even the best player on the team. He wasn't even the best player on the team. Who do you think he was talking about? LeBron James. Okay, so it wasn't Dwayne Wade. It wasn't Chris Bosh or any of those guys. Dwight Howard. No, Kobe was better than Dwayne Wade. I'm just, yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. He was talking about one player, okay? Right. And that's that's the fact. Kobe Bryant knew that he wasn't better than LeBron James. Uh, Carl also says rumors of Levine to the Lakers. Yes, that yeah, is, I heard if that. they're able to trade Russell Westbrook's contract, they got to do that first because they have no cap space. I've heard the Knicks that. are involved with that rumor too. And I know, I know Levine wanted to go to the Lakers in the offseason. Right. Everybody has heard that. Uh, is it going to change anything if they bring in Zach Levine? He's another Russell Westbrook. Yeah, he, uh, he's better than Russell Westbrook because he shoots way, his, better. way better than he does. But he's another Russell Westbrook. He's a guy that needs the ball in his hands. It doesn't work. You need a guy. I see. I think OG would be perfect with the Lakers. He's a rebounder. He's going to give you sixteen, seventeen points. He's going to give you six assists. He's an all. He's an all around player. He is the. Uh, the the what you're looking for for the Lakers. You need a guy that can do everything. Everything. They don't have that guy. Even the Golden State Warriors. Who did everything for the Golden State Warriors? Draymond Green. Right. Draymond Green was a good rebounder. He could score. He can give you 12, 13 points. He's gonna he could pass the ball. He 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 played defense. He played multiple positions. You need an OG is a good defender. That's what he came into the league as a good a good defender. And he transitioned his game into an offensive game that could rebound and and, and assist and do the things that he is strong at and what he needs to do uh, to be a successful NBA player. He would fit with the Lakers. It's funny you mentioned the Warriors too because I think. I- for what their weaknesses have been this year, Ananobi would be a good fit for them too, but I don't think they have the money to make it work right now either because they have all those big contracts. And the reason for that is uh, Clay Thompson just has really regressed defensively badly this year. And, and again, he's getting paid all that money, and it's, it's just really hurt them right now. I think when you look at the NBA and, and some of these players that we've heard that are going to be available in the offseason, I mean at the trade deadline and in the offseason, you wonder – Going into the offseason, if you're going to see a huge transition, a transition from from the you know, obviously the east to the west now, because over the years the west was always the strongest division. Now it's transitioning to be the east. There's better Eastern Conference teams. The west is more top heavy with uh, Denver 
and now <laughs> it's really Denver and Memphis. <laughs> Excuse and think, me, and Michigan, Memphis, yeah. and and all those teams. And then I think three through like thirteen is like all separated by six games right now. Like even the Lakers, who a lot of people two weeks ago thought were like dead in the water, are now back in a in a playing spot right now. Like that's how mediocre it's been because New Orleans, who was good at the beginning of the season, falling apart, and a lot of the teams that. We're expected to have bigger expectations like the Suns and the Warriors have underperformed this year in the West. No question. And a big win for the Knicks tonight, knocking off the Heat. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a very big win. And, and, and by the way, R.J. Barrett had another big game for him. So R.J. Barrett's his game is transitioning. It, it really is. And I don't think he's John Morant. I don't think he's any, anywhere close to the two guys that were drafted in front of him. Williamson, and then obviously John Morant. But if you can get this kid to give you 25, 7, and 8 every single game when he becomes, you know, he's 23, 24 years old, when he becomes, uh, you know, out of his rookie contract and he becomes that player, well, he's now out of his rookie because he's got an extension. But when he becomes that player, when he becomes 25, 26, I think R.J. Barrett is what, that's what you want from your third option. A guy that is he he could with Jalen Brunson there, and if they decide to move on from Julius Randle and bring another guy in to play with Jalen Brunson and R.J. Parrott and get rid of Julius Randle, then you got something because you got a guy that's going to get your third option is going to give you twenty five. Jalen Brunson is going to give you twenty five thirty, and then you bring another guy that can give you twenty five thirty. That's about seventy points for three guys, and then you get you have a decent bench that's going to give you thirty forty points a game. That's 110 points. If you're scoring 110 points every single game and playing dominant defense, you could win 50, 60 games. So the Knicks have to look at like a Zach Levine or yeah. whoever becomes available at the trade deadline. OG Ananobi is not a guy that I, I want. No. You know, because I don't think he's a third option. I don't think he's a second option. If you want to bring him as a fourth option with Julius Randle, but – if you're going to depend that Julius Randle is going to be your number one option, you're never going to win. I also think the Knicks don't really need that type of player. Like, they have enough of those types <laughs> with Thibodeau's system. There's enough shooters that have became better defenders because of Tom Thibodeau's system. OG Ananobi would kind of be the reverse. I don't know if they really need that kind of player. NHL trade rumors, Timo Meyer is now a top option on the trade market now that Bo Horvat was sent to the New York Islanders. The Devils remain the favorites, but the Rangers, Red Wings, Capitals, and Sabres are also remained interested in that. Uh, obviously, Vladimir Tarasenko, his name has been brought up uh, for the last two years at the trade deadline. Rumors are heating back up uh, as the Blues are in a slump that the Devils' flames are the favorites to get him. NHL Network's Mike Rupp believes that the Rangers should pursue Tarasenko. Uh, Coyotes defenseman um, Jacob Chitrin. I've followed Chitrin since he's come into the league. He's 24 years old. He's a guy that the Islanders have been gunning for. Mm-hmm. Offensive defense uh, yes. would be perfect for them. Remaining years of his contract, $4 million, $4.4 million and $6 million for the year, for the next two years. Kings thought to be the favorites for him, but the Devils, Bruins, and Rangers are the other teams remained interested in. Patrick Kane is now linked to the Golden Knights, the Devils, the Kings, according to the NHL insider Frank Cervelli. So uh, Cervelli, who uh, we should get on the show, by the way. You should reach out to him. Article, Anthony (laughs) Scaltori, Rangers should still pursue Patrick Kane. Anthony is a Ranger fan. 
Okay. And I don't know if anybody's here heard Anthony. I love Anthony. <laughs> We've gone back and forth on this show with Anthony Scaltari. Scaltori has this thing where the Rangers can get anything and the Rangers are the favorites to come out. I remember I his predictions this year that the Rangers were going to be a top two seed in the Eastern Conference when I said, you know, I think you need to stop drinking or doing whatever you're doing behind the scenes. He believes that the Rangers were going to be a number two seed. And I think I'm right that he's not. they're not going to be. I don't think anyone expected the Devils to be this good. Mm. <laughs> Four teams interested in Canadian's defenseman Joel Edmondson, 29 years old, and Blue Jackets. And by the way, center Max Domi wants to stay in with the Blackhawks, but there are rumors coming out that they're willing to trade him. And the three teams that are very interested in him, the Golden Knights, the Rangers, and the Bruins. So uh, Eric Carlson is the big name that has been you know, dangled around all season long, having a season that he's having. He's been the best def- offensive defenseman in the league this year. Obviously, San Jose is looking to part ways with him. The Bruins have a lot of money. They have a couple of guys that could th- they could sign in the offseason. I know they were in on Bo Horvat. Yes. Uh, obviously, he went to the Islanders, and the Islanders will do everything they can to sign him before the season's end because they don't want uh, to lose him to free agency. After they lost out on that, I think Max Domi, Eric Carlson, these guys are guys that they can afford to pay in the offseason. So expect that to happen. I, I think the Bruins will make – and last year at the trade deadline, they made a big move, and they added a defenseman. Yeah, and then they re-signed him. So they're – you know, the the Bruins really built this team and this squad really through, you know, obviously uh, some veterans that they've brought in and some of the young talent that they've brought in from their farm system. And and now they're not only an elite team, they're the best team in the NHL. So yeah. they're on a fastest team to 80 points. And they've been they've been fantastic in the here. modern era. It hasn't even been close. Yeah. OK, I mean, some of the even the good teams that they've played against, they've blown them out. The game that they had against Edmonton this year, I think they I think they beat them seven to one. I mean, they're, the games aren't even close. And then the games that are close, you just see how talented they are. They can win face offs. They play. They have three really good lines and their defense is elite and they have the best goaltender right now in the NHL. I think they just got their first regulation home loss like two weeks ago. I remember that. The Kraken. So it was a pretty good team, but still yeah, they're That's kind of an overperforming team. The yeah. Krakens. Okay. Yeah. But they've played fantastic. And there was a couple of teams. The Carolinas really picked up their game, yeah. but we knew Carolina was good. I mean, everybody thought that the Carolina hurricanes were the number one team in the Eastern conference. And They've played like it, but again, the Bruins are just having a spectacular year. They change coaches, uh, and they bring in a coach that really has has put this team in the position that they they expected to be last year. And and now they're the they're a contender, and they're going to be very hard to beat when 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 the playoffs start. And again, the playoffs are different than the regular season, especially in hockey, right? Because if 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 a team goes into the playoffs with a hot goaltender. It doesn't matter how good the other goaltender they're playing against. And we've seen it. Veselovsky, to me, he's been the best goalie in the NHL for the last nine years. He's been the best. And when it comes to the playoffs, Veselovsky's a different a different goaltender. Even as a backup. Remember when he first came up as a young player, too. Ben Bishop was still the starter, and Vasilevsky outplayed him in certain playoffs. He's just a different player in the playoffs. He's a good, he's a good goaltender, and he's won... Uh, he's won so many, uh, you know, goaltender of the year awards and everything like that. But 
when he gets into the playoffs, he's a different player. And we've seen players like that. Mike Richter was a different player when he went into the playoffs. Uh, you know, there are players. Van Beesbrook, was, in the times in the 90s, when especially when he took the Florida Panthers to the Stanley Cup Finals, I, I've seen when he went into the playoffs, he was a different goaltender. Dominic Cash, different goaltender. C- Curtis Joseph, a different goaltender. Chris Osgood, a different goaltender. I can name a bunch. Eddie Belfort, different goaltender. When these guys went into the playoffs, they played different. Martin Brodeur was yeah. a, a fantastic playoff goaltender. He was a great goaltender in a regular, regular season. But when he went into the playoffs, he was different. Henrik Lundqvist was a different goalie in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Standing Could on never, his head when the Rangers yeah. had no offense forever. And that that's the sign of a goaltender that can take the pressure, put the pressure on his shoulder, no matter how bad his defense is or how bad his offense is. So uh, those are the goaltenders that you they stick out. And there are tons of other goaltenders that stood, you know, stood out in the playoffs. So I expect it. And right now, you know, it's, if the Islanders could sneak into the playoffs, adding Bo Horvat, maybe they bring in another guy, uh, Chicharin or somebody like that. Mm-hmm. They bring in one of these guys as your your other optional player that you could bring into that second or third line. Yeah, with speed, 110% that the Islanders can make the playoffs. And who wants to play the Islanders then? You have a goaltender that's a shutdown goaltender and a defense when they get healthy, when Pellick actually comes back, to be a dangerous team. Nobody wants to play those those teams. Now, it's obviously a, a completely different team with a different coach, but... Um, probably maybe a little more talent now that Bo Horvat is there. So. Yeah, and remember we talked about it yesterday. Bo Horvat in the Hub City playoffs for mm-hmm. a Vancouver team that was a 10 seed, keep yep. in mind. They they went all the way to the conference semifinals. They took Vegas, who was the number one seed in the West, to seven games. Mm-hmm. And he, in that playoff, had 10 goals. So yep. he shows he could do it. Mets signed Jeff McNeil to a four-year, $50 million contract. This was a great deal for the New York Mets. Mm-hmm. First of all, this guy won a batting title a year ago. Okay, and, and and when a guy wins a batting title, even DJ LeMayu, he took less money to stay with the Yankees. Yeah. Uh, obviously, COVID time and, and with COVID time and the way they weren't sure if the, the season was going to be cut down to 50 games or, you know, the next couple of seasons was going to be cut down. Uh, DJ LeMayu could have made a lot more money going somewhere else or waited another year and maybe would have really made uh, $50 million or $60 million more for the player that he is. Uh, he wanted to stay Yankee, and I think the same thing with Jeff McNeil. I, I think Jeff loves the fact that he's a Met. He's a he's a he he was grown. He grew up as a New York Met in the farm system, and I think he's homegrown. And I think the fact that he believes that with Steve Cohen and the way this team is moving forward, making the moves that they are, they're going to have a chance to win multiple World Series or maybe one or two World Series in the future. So. Um, I think he feels that taking the fifty million and four for four years was a deal, and some of the incentives that are a part of the deal could really benefit him and uh, this team. Having a player of that magnitude that can play multiple positions, not just second base or third base, or he could play the outfield. So, yeah. and he played a lot better in the outfield too <laughs> than. Uh, his beginning part of his career where I was kind of skeptical of his defense initially Mm -hmm. too, especially in the outfield. And he grew a lot, especially at second base where he looked like even defensively a top 10 defensive second baseman in the league too. And his metrics, I think pretty much on every, I think all but one of the defensive analytics, he was, he was 
positive top fives in some of them. And even in the corner outfield spots, he was very good. He had a great arm for a guy that had an infielder's arm, and that really helped his value, too, in addition to be a tremendous contact hitter. And also, keep in mind, too, a guy that gets on base a lot, too. He's at a 380 on base percentage. Uh, three of the four years he's full seasons he's been in the league so far. So you talk about a contact hitter like they don't they don't walk a lot, but he does that too, and he gets hit by a pitch a lot. So he does everything good offensively. The guy doesn't strike out a lot. Right. He walks a lot, and he's he, he, to me he's put a little bit more power on the ball over the last couple of years. So um, this was a good move for the New York Mets. Probably the best move they made in the off season. Yeah. They overpaid Nimmo. But he, he, they were either they were either going to overpay him, or he was going to go. He was going to go to San Francisco. Right. So um, they gave him uh, a huge contract. Do I think that Nimmo is better than McNeil? No, I think actually McNeil is a way better player than Brandon Nimmo, and a more durable player too. I just think that a center fielder that could play the defense that Nimmo could play and give you 16 to 20 home runs is 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 very hard to find. Yeah, and the Mets have had trouble finding those for years. Too. So they overpaid for him, and especially after what they gave Marte the year before. So right. it, it was very interesting. But again, the Mets have the money, and they have an owner that will spend if need be. Uh, and the final story, the Giants safety Julian Love takes shots at Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni, uh, saying he is in for a free ride to the Super Bowl 57 with the Eagles talent. Here's the problem here. And there's, there's, a, th- so there's a thing called a sore loser, okay? And, yes, the Eagles knocked you off and embarrassed the hell out of you, beating you 38-7. to And you shouldn't have even been on the same field as the Philadelphia Eagles. And you had a great season for what the Giants did, winning nine games this year. Fantastic. With the coach, with so many weaknesses in your offense and so many weaknesses in certain parts of your defense, including your position, who, by the way, Julian Love was really been the best secondary player they had. Um, And he's a fourth-round draft pick, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. But he shouldn't be opening his mouth. He's not a shutdown corner. He's not an elite player at his position, and he's taking shots at Nick Sirianni. What, what is the point of attacking a coach right now? What I will say about Julian, Julian Love is I understand that he doesn't like the Philadelphia Eagles. They're in the same division as you. Uh, they compete against you. They beat you three times this year. Three times. Not once. Not twice. Three times. Do you know how hard it is to a division team, a division game, to lose against a team three times? You know how many? You know how hard that is to do. Yeah, and two blowouts. So, so for you to take shots at Nick Sirianni, who, by the way, I when I remember when the Philadelphia Eagles signed him and brought him in. He looked like a young version of Adam Gase. I so many people said that. I felt so lazy at the time. He did. When he went up there, he didn't really have anything to say. Uh, you know, when he was introduced, he was exactly like Adam Gase, a young version, wearing a you know a, a hat, hiding his eyes. When you looked at his eyes, he looked like he was a crazy man. Nick Sariano has been one of the best coaches in the NFL for the last three years. He really has. He's changed his team. Practically the same team that Doug Peterson left. Right. With a little bit of Jalen Hurts, you know, starting and some of the different, you know, youngsters that they brought in at certain positions. 
and and making a trade for Darius Slay. I mean, it's a different, a little dip, little bit different. Right. And remember too, Darius Slay's first year with the Eagles had a lot of trouble going over there. Yeah, and couldn't stay healthy. So, couldn't stay healthy, and it really hindered his game, especially in zone coverage. And Sirianni brings his scheme over. Obviously, he's not the defensive coach, but that system coming over. And Darius Slay's back to that lockdown corner he was in Detroit again. But even look at Sirianni's done with the offense too. The creativity he has. Yeah, I know they have some talented players. I'm not denying that, but Jalen Hurts was a big question mark to a lot of people. Miles Sanders, especially to me, was a big question mark to a lot of people. And whether their offensive line could stay healthy was really the dependency of their offense. So Talent means nothing, okay? You could have the best and the most talented team. Look at San Francisco, okay? Yep. Look at the Bengals, all right? And I, again, it might be scripted. I, I don't know. And listen, Arian Foster could be very much right. And it could have been scripted. Kansas City versus the Eagles in the Super Bowl. The Andy Reid Bowl. I don't know. But I would, I t- what I will tell you is what the Eagles did this year. And if Jalen Hurts didn't get hurt, they probably don't lose a game. They probably don't. Or they, they lose one game. The Washington game, yeah. They, they lose won. one game. This is... This team as is good, and, and it has a lot to do with the coaching, too. You forget that the most important position when it comes to football is the coach. The coach runs the offense. He runs the defense. He runs the special teams. He is the most important position when it comes to football. You need all 56 players to do their job, but the coach is the one that makes the calls. He makes the final calls. He makes everything. It's the hardest sport to be a coach in because – the amount of plays that you're teaching these guys and, and running, you know, obviously watching film and, and doing it. It's a young man sport. And yes, there are Pete Carroll, who's 70 something years old and Bill Belichick, who's 69. There are older coaches, but it's a young man sport. And Nick Seriani, to me, there's only two coaches that should win coach of the year in the NFL. And Seriani's one of them. The other one is Dable. For what Dable did this year. And also you have to factor in though too. The team culture with the Eagles was something that was very up and down over the years too. So even going back to when Chip Kelly How was How could there. you not like Sirianni the way he dances on the sidelines and pumps up his – he's fun to watch. Right, he really and he's is. fun with his players too. And they, the Eagles really needed that because of the ugliness that fell out at the end of the season. Not that Peterson was the problem, but again, they had a lot of that ugly fallout at the end of the 2020 season when they were a four-win team. The whole Carson Wentz, Doug Peterson riff at the end of the year. And they needed – with a team with a lot of big mouths, they needed a, a guy that was a stabilizer, a fun guy to come in. And he was, again, he was a good innovator for offense, too. Like the, This was an RPO-type you system. Know who's, you know who would be a, a... I believe Carson Wentz would be a great fit for, a great fit with Tennessee. Okay. I think he would be a great fit. Because I think Frabel will knock him into place. I think he's, he's a no-bullcrap type of coach. And I think whatever's going on with Carlson Wentz behind the scenes, because there's something about that kid that people don't like. I don't know what it is. He doesn't look like a bad kid. I mean, I've seen some documentaries with him, uh, with the kid that had cancer on, you know, 30 for 30, and and the type of person that he is. I'm very surprised that people don't like him. But maybe we don't see what goes behind closed doors. Maybe he doesn't want to, you know, when when Christmas comes around and the – the quarterback takes care of their offensive line. Maybe he's cheap. Maybe he doesn't do that. I don't know. Right. But 
it doesn't make any sense how why people hate him so much. Everywhere he's gone, he's weighed out his welcome. Mm-hmm. I mean, everywhere he's gone. He went Philadelphia, he almost won an MVP, hurt his knee. He was never the same. Nick Foles wins the Super Bowl for them. He's gone. Then he goes to Indianapolis. He plays there one year, has a pretty good season. He's gone. Then he goes to Washington. He loses his starting job after he gets hurt to Taylor Henneke. And then all of a sudden, he's probably gone. I mean, this this guy has lost the starting job three times in, what, five years? Right. I, I mean, that's crazy. And this guy's talented. Carson Wentz is still young. He's 27, 28 years old. He's still fairly young. He can still play in this league. There's got to be something. There has to be something that's going on behind closed doors with Carson Wentz that just doesn't work. And, but, but going, I don't know what it is. But going back to Sirianni, I, you needed that kind of stabilizer within an Eagles team that had so many loud personalities. AJ, Even trading for A.J. Brown, he's, he's a guy that is a loud personality. You look at Darius Slay, loud personality. And a lot of the offensive linemen, those types of guys, they needed those types of guys after the ugliness that happened. And remember the 2021 season, the Eagles were not supposed to be a playoff team that year. And he had a big second half. They were, I think they started two and five, and they were able to turn around, make the playoffs in a conference. And NFC, though, is still not great, but it still had teams that were expected to be better on paper. And a lot of that has to do with coaching. And then they started to make the offseason moves after that. So, Julian Love, I'm, I'm all for the NFC East trash talk, but still, have some a little bit more reasoning behind that than he had a cakewalk and they had a free ride just because of the talent and anyone could coach that team. No, he's, his creative offense really helped Jalen Hurts get to an MVP candidate. His team culture really helped these veteran guys and these young guys out. It's not just all Howie Roseman and the talent. Patrick Mahomes would have never been Patrick Mahomes without Andy Reid. Donovan McNabb would have never been Donovan McNabb without Andy Reid. Coaches make players. Robert Sala changed Quinton Williams. He did. Quinton Williams was possibly going to be a bust. Leonard Williams was. Yeah. He was. He had one year with the Giants. He gets a contract and he's been a bust. Yeah. He was always a bust with the with the New York Jets, and he was a top pick. He was the fourth pick in the first round. Quinn Williams was on his way to be a bust. I, I didn't think he was, but he had he had the unbelievable talent. We saw what he did at the combine. We seen what he did in Alabama, but he just couldn't develop his skills. And sometimes you just can't find your way in the NFL. Right. But when Robert Sala went there, he's changed him. He's changed him. He's, he's an elite player at his position. He was the first team All-Pro for the first time in his career. Right. And he's only going to get better. Mm-hmm. And he's 24 years old. So you see the difference in what a player could be and what a player should be in the NFL. And coaching has a lot to do with it. It has it, Yes, talent. You can have all the talent in the world. Some of these guys are, have tremendous talent, but they never develop. Zach Wilson... Has a tremendous amount of talent. Will he ever develop? Not with this coaching staff. Now, maybe with Nathaniel Hackett, if he sits there and he explains things to him, and he sits behind a, a, a veteran quarterback that he respects, maybe he turns into the quarterback they thought he was when they drafted at number two. Will he? I don't know. I'm pushing towards no. But you just never know. It's all about coaching. Get the right coach in, a North Turner. We've seen North Turner go everywhere as an offensive corner, and he's got that quarterback playing. Sean Payton. 
might change everything for Russell Wilson now that he's going to the Broncos. Absolutely. And I think Russell Wilson still has it in him to be an elite quarterback. And I think he can be. They just need to put the right players in front of him to do so. And again, in football, you really need it, especially both schematically and culturally in comparison to other sports, where you can't really get away with just having a quote-unquote like figurehead coach like you can in basketball. Mm-hmm. And even, even baseball to an extent, too, because of the analytic departments, like the raw manager, you just need to have the guy that could stabilize the player. Yeah, you still need some level of strategy, but a lot of it's with the analytics. Football, you need a little bit of everything. And you can't just really throw Sirianni and just say he's like a figurehead it's coach. ridiculous. I'm not saying he's like the top three coach in the league, but he's he's. Still- this year, this year, this year, is. Yeah, but uh, in general, like, yeah, he's not that. Like, top he's three, not Bill yes. Belichick. He's not Pete Carroll. He's no, not but, those successful coaches that have done it year in and year out. But he's on his way. If he wins a Super Bowl this year, yeah. and his team are even better than they were next year with with the draft picks that they have and the money that they have on the line and some of the players they can get rid of, I mean, yeah, he could turn this team. Remember, Philadelphia never won a Super Bowl until a couple of years ago. When they knocked off the Patriots. Now they're going to a second Super Bowl in five years. Five years. A team that hasn't been in a Super Bowl for forever. Okay? Now in five years. Well, they were in a Super Bowl with Donovan McNabb one time with Andy Reid. But it, that was a long time ago. That was in oh, the yeah, the early 2000s. That's like almost 20 years ago. And then they go to the Super Bowl and they win against the, the Patriots. And now, and by the way, they never won a Super Bowl. Never. Won a Super Bowl until then. And, and now they have a chance to win two Super Bowls in five years. I mean, if you don't think that's dominance, I don't know what is. With two different head coaches. With two different head coaches and two different quarterbacks. So it, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. It really is. That's it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. We'd like to thank our friend Al Ashford. Uh, obviously, Wisconsin sophomore cornerback, fantastic kid. Uh, looking forward to when I called him Babe. Okay, <laughs> I was—I'm sure he probably wanted to run off the. But that was pretty funny. Uh, yeah. So great show. Um, sorry we couldn't have Bruce Maxwell. He'll be on in the next week or two. It's been hard. A lot of these guys are losing, yeah. losing family members and stuff like that. So we. To me, I just I want these guys to be okay and 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 happy to come on and and enjoy the interviews with us. So uh, shout out to Bruce Maxwell and his family. Hopefully everything is uh, fine. Yes, absolutely. Um, thank you to all the fans. Listen to the Weekend Crunch airs to uh, well not tonight this weekend on Saturday at seven p.m. Um, yeah, if if you're a sports fan, this this is kind of like a. This is the weekend where it's boring, you know. You have the NHL All Star Game this weekend, I think, right? It's I think yes, they have all the festivities. Yes. The game is Sunday. Yeah, the NHL All Star Game. This is like the boring weekend before the Super Bowl, and then right after the Super Bowl, you have March Madness. You have the NHL playoffs, the NBA playoffs coming up, and then baseball season's right around the corner. So uh, crazy, and this is a great time. You have the Masters coming up, so it, it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Great stuff that we're going to get into and and great guests. So definitely stay tuned. We'll be back on Wednesday. Until then, this is Errol Marks and Speedy Petey saying, yeah, it's not cold enough, but yeah, good night. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.